Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, LeBron James hired Tyron Lue. <laughs> this is how we're coming out the gate. Congratulations, LeBron James. Well, magic is gone. I mean, LeBron's running the show, right? I guess so, yeah. (laughs) Back together again. Kuz is all fired up. It's like, we got a bunch of coaching news. We got a little NBA playoffs. Did did the Warriors and Rockets suspend their series until next year? Or is it just like this weekend? (laughs) They're waiting for uh, James Harden's eyes to heal. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I didn't think about that. It's probably good for him. That was Got that Bob Costa syndrome, man. Sometimes you just got to be a man and step up and keep on playing like Bob did. The the weird thing about it is that happened to LeBron and Harden from Draymond Green. Like th- this is his yeah. this is a numerous thing that's happened before and obviously a running joke on and, social media. And, and amongst other things with well, Draymond Green. Steven Adams. This one, by the way, looked I, I don't know how you plan that. That happened so fast. I, don't, I think yeah, that I don't, was coincidental more than anything. Yeah, I think the uh the groin shots were a little more yeah, looked a little more premeditated. <laughs> but uh yeah, get a little uh, NBA thoughts from Coos Driving Dish podcast drops again tomorrow. Uh, what did you do last week while you were in – did we, you record before yeah, you left? we recorded beforehand, uh, and, and we're experimenting with some YouTube video, kind of like what we're doing here. So, ah, uh, very good. ourselves on YouTube, yeah. Just don't beat us. No. <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> just because we stole some of your ideas, don't beat us. There is a pecking order here, Koo. Yes. You need to abide by it. <laughs> yes, I know. So, uh, uh, don't you love when you have to go on vacation for a few days that you work like three times as hard to get the vacation? Oh, it's it's Isn't like, it amazing. Well, if I'm gonna do this, then I have to get like this, 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 and this done yeah. beforehand. Yeah, you gotta work like three times as hard. That's what usually uh, happens. I got a question for you today. I don't want you to answer it right now. Okay. But yesterday, I went to Bartram Trail High School, mm-hmm. and I uh, was able to judge people who are up for a scholarship. I guess judge, really interview, and. Part of their interview, part of their scholarship process is you interview the kids, ask them a couple questions, and all impressive kids, really impressive. So, uh, one of the girls that's up for this scholarship told us a story where she skipped prom last week mm-hmm. to run for her relay team in the regionals to try to make it to state. Okay. Which they did make okay. it. Yeah. She had wrestled that dis- with that decision. So my question to you is, you skipping prom to – that's not a big deal? Sk- skip Brent, senior prom? I had to skip my senior prom to go to a combine for football in high school, and my date was not impressed. I mean, I showed up like an hour before it, but I missed out on all the pictures and everything, and my date was pissed. Wait a minute. So you went to the prom? Well, I went to some of the prom. Okay. Well, she didn't. Oh, well, why couldn't she go to the some of the prom? Because I think it was like in Orlando or somewhere else, so okay. she couldn't go. She was out of town. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. And, and this has happened to others. This I think it was last year where the whole Nice, maybe it was two years ago. I think it was the Nice baseball team. Mm-hmm. They all 
either skipped or went to part of it and had to go down to Fort Myers uh, to to play in the state final four or mm-hmm. something to that. Maybe it was graduation. But this time of year, sports and graduation and proms all get kind of yeah, mixed they're all together. together. Okay, so and you're you got to make decisions. So, so you're asking me if I would skip prom to go to a sporting event. Yeah, would you do it? And I'm not asking just you. I'm really yeah. asking everybody else. Uh, I really care about what you think. Uh, but I'm going to ask Coos <laughs> and everybody oh, so else. You care, so you care what Coos thinks, though. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to ask uh, – I'll think about that one. And we'll talk more about it throughout the show. You're always welcome to jump in, 904-362-9901, or on the social media platforms. But, uh, you know, it sounds like, oh, yeah, I would definitely go to the, the sporting event. I think there's a lot to think about there. I would definitely you go do, to the you sporting event. You've seen your event. problem once. Yeah, but nowadays you can just go on Twitch and watch it live or something. Like, it's, <laughs> it doesn't mean that much like it used to, like, back when I was in high school. It doesn't. It you doesn't. know all these prom promposals or prom proposals or whatever they do now? Sure don't. You haven't heard of that? Like Dude, these guys, where, where, where a guy asks you to go to prom, ask a girl, whoever. Yes, but they do it in elaborate ways. Oh, it's very intricate. Oh yeah, this is like, th- you thought when you had when you asked your wife to marry you mm-hmm. that that was tough. How am I going to do this? It was rough. Well, these are like that. Really? And this is just go to prom. Sometimes not even boyfriend and girlfriends. Okay. I mean that's what happens now. I've done one on TV before for a kid. You had to help a kid out, yeah. ask a, a good girl at prom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty That's good. Awesome. It was fun. Like, I, I guess kind of like the idea of it, but they're like, like people stress over these things. I mean, it's how are you going to do guess. it? I guess. I mean, I, I had to take my third option. Like, I asked the first one, got denied. Second one, got denied. And the third one was uh, was a go. So, wow. hey, they can't all you be first round draft twice? picks, bro. <laughs> they can't all be first round draft picks, man, okay? Sometimes you got to settle with the undrafted free agent. It's Stop not a big car. We'll talk sports in a minute. Why did you get denied? What were they afraid of? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, I don't. I don't want to call anybody out here, Brent. You, you don't know? have to call anybody out, but what were, uh, why so would they? My circle. Okay, so long I mean, story. We were crazy short, high school kids, so people yeah, were like uh, a, little, uh, a little bit, a little bit. Just I didn't fit in with the popular girls' circle so much. I would say, and this is for you have to keep in mind. This is from a small town, population thirteen hundred. We had fifty four kids. Well, I said fifty four, but three of them got arrested before graduation. So, we, <laughs> so we had fifty one kids, uh, you know, in my graduating class. Yeah, options limited. Yeah. <laughs> so we had fifty one kids in my graduating <laughs> class. So go half and half. That's about yeah, whatever. Twenty five kids or twenty five girls to ask, and. Uh, as far as the popular girls were concerned, I just we we didn't really mesh that well. I mean, I was I respected everybody, but like from circles, let's say, I didn't get along with the popular girls yeah. that much. I feel a Toby Keith song coming on. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like me now? Uh, if I had a guitar right now, I'd definitely be playing it, Brent. Believe me. Uh, yep. All right, just uh, answer without insult because best looking is not that always that important. Mm. But option one, two, or three. On the scale of best looking. Uh, and by the way, your taste changes from high school they, uh, to college and beyond. Let's, but. Ju- let's just say that the one I went with had a great personality, Brent, and that's all that matters, man. <laughs> even uh, even being a 17-year-old. Uh, that's what she said about well, you, well, too. Well, see, it was, this is the thing, though. So <laughs> that was my junior year because our senior year, I'm sorry, that was my our junior year was prom court. So actually they assign you. Did you guys have that in high school or not? I don't think so. So get this. I don't know what so, that is. So it's junior prom court. So basically what what they do is the whole high school votes who's going to be paired together. 
So that's really? what, yeah. So that's what was the junior this year. This was an arranged. This was an arranged one. Arranged, yeah, right? Well, we're talking two thousands <laughs> arrangements. There's so man. much that could go wrong with that. I was like, holy cow! I mean, yeah. So where is this? This is in Iowa, Wisconsin. So junior year, though the whole student body votes on who should be paired together, and then we're paired together. But then the senior year, then you have a you have a choice of who to go with. So that's bizarre. I don't yeah. think I've heard of that before. I wonder if that's yeah. common. Pretty common. I, have you I'm, had you heard it before? I mean, in Wisconsin, it's pretty common. It's pretty common I don't know there? about everything else. Huh? Yeah. Have you ever heard of that, Coos? No, and I would have Given hated that. Given the power to the people. I would have hated that so much. Yeah, no. yeah. Doesn't sound good. Hey, Kentucky Derby's tomorrow. Kentucky Oaks today. I guess it's raining up there again. What <laughs> <No laughs> else is new? Uh, Shocking. We're going to talk a little horse racing. We're going to have a some little. fun with it. We're going to talk a lot of I'm horse racing, now. I guess. We're going to have some fun with it. The experts were our picks, and... Uh, what what will the loser have to do? Get the fine jar ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Kentucky Derby is tomorrow uh, really a fun event, whether you like horse racing or not. So we'll get into that. You know, one thing we didn't talk about uh, in the draft is kind of how the AFC South did and also how what teams did well. Do you have one team that was like, wow, they really improved themselves? Or yeah. you know, a lot of head scratchers, I think, a lot of the times in the draft, they're like, Really? Uh, and we are all just guessing if if we're right or they're wrong. I mean, even Oakland, a lot of people like what Oakland did. But at four, people were like, what did they do there? Why did they get feral? And even in the first round, a lot of people were critical. But then if you look at some of the pundits and analysts, said, hey, Oakland didn't do so bad. So uh, what are your thoughts? Who had the best draft? Really, just simple answer. Yep. Who had the best draft in the NFL? And I'll tell you right now, I don't agree with Mel Kuyper in Indianapolis. I, I, if no, you don't have a first-round pick, I don't know how you can say that's the best draft, whether you like Indianapolis or not. I think I think that's the most overblown topic of the week. I know we're now almost a week removed from the draft, but uh, let's get to it. Baseball and home runs. Here we go again. We don't need steroids in baseball. The <laughs> baseball itself is on steroids, apparently. <laughs> Amazing. Do we like it, or is it a little bit too much and manufactured? Uh, oh, let's no. talk a, a little Six bit about that in ball. baseball. And uh, NBA playoffs, of course. Stay in your lane, balling and falling. So much on the way on a Friday. A little rainy Friday. Sit back. Tune the radio into ESPN 690. Stream us on ESPN690.com. And uh, hopefully we'll have a fun afternoon all together. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN. 690 heading into a weekend by 6 o'clock tonight. I don't know about your work day, but ours is by 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> More to come coming up next. Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick & Wingo. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks with our friend Brent Martineau on ESPN 690. You ever going to be friends with Golick? Say what? Are you ever going to be friends with Golik? No, I doubt it, man. It's whatever. I mean, the least he could do. What do you have against the guy? I got nothing against the guy. I think he's a. I think he's a cool dude. It's just the fact that. Do you want me to record my myself saying and Austin Lane? Lane. No, no, here's better. Just have me record myself. Yeah. And Austin Lane, like really disappointed because Golik wouldn't say my name. I think we're gonna have to send some liners in. New liners. 
He's made it past the probationary period. That's all right. As long as we have that Dave Caldwell audio, that's all I need to get me through the day. That's all that matters. That and his little DC. Diamond Dallas Page called me his brother, so I don't know what, what more you want from it's me, amazing. How long will that last? That, that won't wear off. That's good. With that you're Dallas happy with, those, with both of those well, things. Well, Brent, let's be honest. Dave Caldwell wasn't talking about you, and he Diamond wasn't. Dallas Page didn't call you his brother. And uh, to be fair, you guys have a little more similar complexion than me and uh, Diamond Dallas Page, but hey, I'll take it. That's right. Doesn't game. come down to complexion. No, it comes it comes down to game. Game recognizes game. <laughs> Point for me. Uh, hey, Coos, get a set for the NBA three fifteen here on a on a Friday. Uh, what you got this week? Warriors Rockets Saturday night. I'm sure it's on ESPN right here on six ninety. Uh, who do you like? Rockets or Warriors? Come right out of the shoots. We won't even save the predictions until later. Yeah, you're jumping right into it. Uh, you know, I would say it's. I mean, it's hard to bet against the Warriors, especially now with this Harden eye injury. I actually am really concerned about that, and he's been not shooting too great recently either. Um, obviously, they've been complaining a lot about the fouls and not being called, but you know, it's the Warriors in the end. I think the Warriors are going to get it because they always were going to get it. But even Game Three, I mean, Saturday night, you like them to go up three nothing? <sighs> yeah. I mean, and, and I think it would be disappointing because I think if they go up 3 nothing, the Warriors are really just going to make a push to sweep um, because it makes sense for them. They can rest and kind of get ready for whoever comes out of the Portland uh, Nuggets series. And uh, I, I'd be worried that if it's the Nuggets, I'm pretty sure the Warriors swept them in the regular season too. So I'd be wondering if we're just going to get two sweeps back-to-back and then the Warriors sit there and wait for, you know, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Celtics, whoever it is, you know. So that could be kind of disappointing in terms of how exciting the playoffs could be. I think they, uh, it, if they play the way these first two games go, all you have to do is box out a little bit and take care of the basketball. I know it sounds simple, mm-hmm. but it's really not that complex. It's not. They can go toe to toe from a. I don't know if they go man to man, but mm-hmm. they can go head to head with the Warriors and compete. They just need to clean up their play. I mean, I don't think the Rockets, the Rockets have been right there the first two well, games, yeah. and they haven't played well. I mean, they really have not played well. That's that's yeah. got to be somewhat of a good sign. Now you can also make the case, all right, the Warriors haven't played unbelievable yet either, and uh, Curry's been in foul trouble a bit. But I'm just saying from a Warriors-Rockets uh, point of view, I'd say, you know what, I feel pretty good about game three, and I'm not worried about the eyes of Harden. I'm really not. And, yeah. and listen, the guy... I get it. It wasn't pretty. It probably knocked him off his game a little bit, but he still went on a run in the fourth quarter. He Mm -hmm. hit every free throw he took. This wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing three baskets and which one am I shooting at? (laughs) I think this was dramatized. He is fine. He doesn't need any kind of surgery. He's not missing games and practices. The the eye is – it's not even a storyline to me. I, no. it, I think, uh, I think the Rockets of, get it tomorrow. I was just say it's as much of a storyline as as Curry dislocating his finger. That was a thing too at one yeah. point. And so well, and, and it like, should have been a thing for right, a moment. Right. Yeah. But then it's like, all right, it's over. We're fine. He's. I don't. You know. I don't think he's going to be missing any time from it. So he'll be good to go. Because Brent and I were talking about this when you were uh, in the mountains playing with baby goats or whatever you're doing in Colorado. <laughs> they were, were full grown um, adult goats. Oh, that that doesn't sound as fun then. But. Uh, <laughs> Do you agree that – do you think the Warriors are a better team with Cousins out of the lineup? I think – and actually there's a big debate going on the the ESPN you know station right now about chemistry in the NBA uh, because of Embiid's comments. But I think there is something to the chemistry that you know Draymond has and Curry has and Clay has and even 
you know, Durant has now because they've been doing it for a while. So I think there was a trying to figure it out with a fifth piece to that. Um, but there were times where Cousins was in there and in the regular season and they looked like they were unstoppable. So it's hard to say because, like, at that same time when they were doing that, Draymond was slumping and not hitting threes. And now he's kind of coming into his own again and finally getting it back. So it's kind of like it was weird. Like, different players were slumping at different times, but they had the talent to kind of cover over each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the chemistry part of it is important. I, mm-hmm. I just think if you have enough horses, Kentucky Derby week. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I think what it doesn't flex. matter. I need and to get a horse sound effect. Listen, Golden State, they just have so many. I mean, Cousins, cousins in my opinion, for it doesn't matter if he's on the team or not. Right. No, no. But, I mean, it I really mean, doesn't. Brent, but to prove the point, though, that the talk of you know coming in the season was they're going to be better with Cousins now because the one thing that Golden State has always lacked is a legit big man. Yeah. And he was going to fill that void. Well, you know, the the proof is in the pudding that when he was playing uh, on defense, especially their liability and their pace of play slowed down when he yeah. was on the floor. So I think uh, I agree with Kuz. I think they are a better team without him. I agree. And, I mean, and that's nothing to knock on Cousins. I think Cousins is a hell of a center, one of the best centers in, in the entire league. But it's just uh, it's all about chemistry and how they get along. Together. Well, when they have that free flowing offense, if you've got uh, anything to slow it down on your own end. It's not as effective, and I think mm-hmm. that's your point right there. By the way, they do have a big man. He just plays 30 feet from the basket. <laughs> I mean, and that's what makes them so good, yeah. and really, right? So yeah. so unusual and so good uh, the way their offense operates. All right, uh, Bucks celtics tonight. Here we go. This is a big one. Oh, yeah. It's a big game. It's a big mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. I mean, they're all big, obviously, but I mean, this is a big – Celtics, I kind of feel like if the Celtics win this, they, they – they're – they're in control of the series because they have home court advantage, so that sounds obvious. But they also right away punch back with the momentum that the Bucks feel like they got back the other day with a blowout win. This is an interesting game because we don't know what teams are real yet. You know, I mean, in the first game, Boston blew out Milwaukee. Milwaukee played horrible. Second game, Milwaukee blows out Boston. Like, which... I guess like the what I'm trying to get at is like which team like I mean like what we don't know what to believe yet we don't know if Milwaukee's the real deal or if Boston is the real deal I think with Milwaukee there's such an enigma in terms of basketball because you look at the roster they got Lopez big seven footer they got Giannis they got Bledsoe who can drive in the lane but they live and die by the three. Like, I mean, their their team lives and dies by the three-point shot. And then, uh, of course, you're going to sprinkle on Giannis as well. I mean, that's not Giannis's game. But if, if Middleton's missing his shots or someone's missing – or Lopez even missing his shots, the Bucks are in trouble. Well, and that, and that's best, what makes me nervous. One of your best shooters, Brogdon, is probably out for game three, and he's been dealing with some injuries, so that yeah. could be a big part of it too. He was he was huge for them in the uh, regular season. So, Kuz, so my question to you is then – should we believe in Milwaukee or should we believe more in Boston? Because these past two games, we we do not have a gauge of which team is which right now. You right. Know? I, you know, I almost want to bank on Giannis to just be that guy that's going to be the Greek freak and, and get them there. But, and the, the Celtics look like they've been just kind of chilling throughout the regular season, dealing with the annoying media in Kyrie's sense. And now they're like, all right, it's game time. Let's turn it on and show everybody we got it. And mm. Gordon Hayward's, you know, 
figuring it out as we go and, and getting way better. So it's kind of like it's a toss up for me. And that's why these I think the first two games reflected that is, you know, Bucks came out on fire. The Celtics made the adjustments and came out and blew them out. Now, in theory, Bucks make the adjustment and kind of we go back and forth again. Well, isn't it so funny too? like what we talk about the regular season with the NBA? It was all the Celtics are in turmoil. Nobody's having fun on that team. The Warriors are a mess right now. I mean, they're losing games. Hit the panic button. And now let's look at them. The Warriors are dominating. The Celtics uh, may be in line to go to the Eastern Conference semi, or to the, uh, the semifinals. It's just we, we put so much stake into that regular season and all the drama, and it never turns out like well, the way it's just you something think it's to talk about. Out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like if Tiger Woods bogeys on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's there's no different. And, and the thing about it is, those teams know. You mm-hmm. know, Cleveland over the years with LeBron knew. They're like, hey, we're fine. It's the regular season. We're fine. And we need to pace ourselves. And you learn mm-hmm. how to do that. And I think uh, people in the NBA have figured out how to do that. It's such a and long, I wonder, long season. I wonder how much that side of the argument could go into the problem that the Lakers had this year where – you know, they were expected to win so quickly where LeBron's used to like, hey, let's let's just get to the playoffs. You know, we don't have to worry about this where maybe the younger players were like, no, we have to we need to win. And, and maybe they don't have that mentality yet. Yeah, it might be a little bit. Of, but also, I think it's what makes the I think it's a, a, a black market, a sense of, against the NBA, because like in Major League Baseball, you really can't do that. It's a it's the longest season of all. And we know in football you can't do it. I mean, you got to win almost every Sunday. You feel yeah. like you got to win every Sunday. But in baseball. You feel like you have to win series, you know, and you can't go on like 10 game losing streaks and 12 game losing streaks. And I mean, the Red Sox may never fully recover from the start they had this year. They may play pretty good ball the rest of the way, but they may not recover in time yeah. to make the playoffs, especially in that, that division. Yeah. And, and in the NBA, it's like you can have a bad couple of weeks, but you're probably going to even in your bad couple of weeks. If you're a halfway decent team, win a couple of games mm-hmm. because you're playing somebody of, of lesser skill and not as stacked as you. And so, therefore, so much of the regular season to a lot of these teams don't matter. I mean, if Golden State got the number one seed or got the number four seed, I don't think it really bothered them that much. No. Now, the Rockets find themselves in a bad spot because they got the fourth seed and not like the two or three seed. And so, therefore, they got to take play Golden State before the finals, but probably before they want to. But eventually, you got to play Golden State regardless. I get it. You but know? it does, so doesn't you have a different feel. Well, I mean, it's, it's like it's, it's a Tom Izzo philosophy where he was ticked off he can get a one seed. I mean, yeah. Tom, you're eventually going to play all the teams that you're going to play if you keep advancing, so you can't be too worried about it. Yeah, I mean, they will do it. Uh, a quick word on your Sixers, uh, Coos, in good shape. Yeah, they're looking real good. Last Two night one. was a last night was a huge win uh, for them, and uh, Embiid straight up balled out. People were calling him the goat, which is uh, interesting, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, yeah, it was it was an awesome game to watch. And then there's a lot of numbers going around of the Raptors team without Kawhi Leonard on the court and how not good they are. So that's something interesting to see and. It's just another one that everyone's going to focus in and hone in on Kawhi and say, well, if you guys can't get past the Sixers now, is he going to bail on, on the Raptors? Well, it's round two well, again for Toronto. It's- <laughs> speaking of goats, too, let's go to that TJ McConnell box score from last night. How do you do? Because I didn't see the, the numbers yet. I didn't check either. Well, you were locked in. I was- <laughs> <laughs> no, because I know TJ McConnell's not going to play many minutes in the uh, in the playoffs. Mm. Are you gonna, have you taken mm. that poster down of him in your room? Nope. Nope. He's still a legend in Philly. Don't worry. I, I have the numbers right here. <laughs> TJ McConnell came in last. Oh, I don't. Uh, got in five minutes. Put up a rebound, baby. Oprah won from the field goal. Uh, 
line, the field goal line. <laughs> oh for one from uh, <laughs> shooting. <laughs> hey, the field goal, hey, the field goal line where the they don't line. have where they don't have foursomes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Kuz, I got one more question regarding basketball here that uh, demands your expertise. The, all I've seen on Twitter today... we've made Kuz our NBA expert. Yeah. Well, he's got his podcast, so he might as well bounce some ideas off his head. Uh, no pun intended. But uh, Magic Johnson and Jeannie Buss, they were eating dinner last night, and everyone's making a big deal about it. What is going on with Magic Johnson and Jeannie Buss? Because like when Magic, be. well, I'm, are they hanging? Like you know, are they together together? That's got to be like a I'm sorry dinner, right? Like that's got to mm. because you you saw what was going on with. Well, hey, that could also be a side of it. But you saw the or you maybe you didn't see there was a rumor going around that he saw or was cc'd on an email that was not supposed to include him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's... that was like thought that maybe was why he was gone. So maybe it was like a hey, let's just go, let's clear the air, let's have dinner. Figured out. What do you think, Brandon? Did you see yeah, the picture? I, I did see the picture, and I think this is a little bit of a danger zone, and and I almost feel a little bad for women in sports at times. In this sense, that if we see a picture like that, we automatically start our mind starts racing. Well, yeah, my my mind was my mind was going 100 miles per hour. Yeah. Because you know why, Brent? People in their late 50s don't hang out with opposite sex as friends. It's it's uncommon. Well, it's uncommon. Yeah. It. It might be, I mean, but I think these are, I would associate these more as business partners in a sense, you know, after what their relationship was with the Lakers. So I I, I buy for now. I, I, get, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. But, I, and I'm not saying it hadn't crossed my, well, hasn't crossed my mind. I don't really care. Don't have a point. Everyone's talking about it. I'm like, but okay. I do think everybody talks about it because of that. And I mm-hmm. think that's a little unfair to the women in sports to say every time you see a woman out with one male even if they're talking basketball or baseball or football or whatever, oh, we assume, bam, they must be dating or they must be doing something more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's a little bit unfair. I, I get All it. All right. So I'm the bad guy now. Thanks, Well, Brent. you know, well, you actually, my opinion. In, in eSports, this is a big thing. Ninja made a big comment about it. <laughs> Nobody knows who Ninja is, first yeah, of I all. Yeah, I do. Ninja, Ninja was Z, Come on. Ninja was in the 100-year anniversary of the, uh, the, remember the Super Bowl commercial? Yeah. Oh, you are right. Okay, I'm sorry. So what did Ninja say? He said he won't play with females uh, because of that. He doesn't want the rumors to go around about yeah, him cheating on his wife. Before. Yeah. What a pioneer. Hey, speak. I want to go a little broader. Getting back to the Anik Ngakwe conversation a little bit, but it also ties in the NBA. And it, ESPN has a headline right now, and this has been talked about where – NBA players say, or Adam Silver says, NBA players are not happy. Mm. Um, The money in sports and what that does to a locker room is where I want to take it. Coming up next on ESPN 690. What you got on the whiteboard as you write it down here on a Friday? I mean, you got to step up the whiteboard game a little bit. I know. I had to talk to Coos quick. Uh, I'm going to put on the best horse movie of all time. Brent, what is your favorite horse movie of all time? Like that involves a horse, obviously. Uh, what's the What's the one? Um, Does Three Amigos count? <laughs> if you wanted to, there's yeah. horses in yeah, it. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Am I not getting this right now? Sea Biscuit. Yeah. Well, is that well, Is that the one? Well, that's one I was thinking there's of. A couple, there's a couple. There's like another one too, I think. Black Beauty. Is it, are you a big Black Beauty guy, Brent? No. No. I'm trying sea to think of horse movies. Sea Biscuit was what I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, and that was good. There's a, there the I, horse whisperer. I never saw it. There's the horse whisperer, uh, Hildago, right? Viggo Mortensen. That was a big horse one. I thought. I don't know. 
So that's what I'm you're putting. Saying. What's I'm, your favorite horse movie? Lucky number Slevin. You ever see that one? No. Coos, you ever see Lucky number Slevin? No. Oh. No. Can we get Scott back Boy, in here, please? That was a uh, sad no Lucky from Coos. So Lucky number Slevin uh, has Josh Hartnett in it, Morgan Freeman's in it. Oh, Morgan Freeman's um, in it. It's worth seeing. Bruce Willis is in it. Oh. It's a psychological thriller, though. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's some of that in there, too. There's a horse in it. <laughs> For a little bit. I mean, that's what the movie's named after. We got so. some, uh, we have some derby chatter coming up in a minute. We and, sure uh, do. We'll start talking about that in, in a few and get our picks maybe for the derby. We got to take a get. Uh, we'll do the picks later in the show. But uh, I need more time to research. I need to see who's even in it this year. <laughs> you know, I, I told you I like the derby, but I covered uh, Funny Side. Do you remember the story of Funny Side? Can't say that I no. do. Sorry. Funny side was this like big time underdog, not the biggest, but a big time underdog. And when I was up in Albany, which is Saratoga area too, uh, the story of Funny Side was there was these guys that were locally, they had some local ownership. It was a big ownership group, but there were some local owners mm-hmm. uh, in the Albany area. And long shots to win the Kentucky Derby, won the Kentucky Derby, won the Preakness, and had a chance at the Belmont Stakes. Uh, ended up finishing second or third to Empire Maker. Uh, but it was an awesome story. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason probably why I love horse racing, because mm-hmm. one of the years I was up there covering it, we covered that story, and it was a big deal. I mean, it'd be like Kentucky Derby horse being from here, but, like, horse racing was big here. I mean, yeah. in Albany, horse racing's a big deal you know, I, I because Saratoga, it. and Saratoga is an amazing – if you get ever get a chance to go, you don't have to like horse racing or anything like that. It's, it's like going to the Players' Championship. Mm-hmm. But you just go for the well, event and you kind of watch it in the scenery and it's a it's a beautiful summer day in yeah. Albany, New York or Saratoga, New York. Isn't it pretty big in Ocala or not? Ocala is where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Now there are, there are less and less. And actually, when we have our guest on in yeah. a little bit, it'll be interesting to ask. But Ocala, I feel like used to have a ton of Derby horses. Well, his, and now doesn't yeah. really have as it doesn't produce as much. And I think something's changed there, mm-hmm. where a lot of the horses are now trained. In Kentucky and maybe in California, I think. Well, I'm, it, I'm so far out of the loop in horse racing. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, funny you said once, that once be, I left it. Because the conversation I just had with our guest coming up here in a little bit, his dad was in Ocala, um, I guess either scouting or like talking to some people yeah. involved with, with the horses there. Well, and so. they, do, they have shows where you can buy the horses. Exactly. My, early on when I first moved here, my dad's a horse guy. Okay. He, he has horses. And, and so uh, not race horses, but yeah, just, just, he likes horses. Mm-hmm. And so we went over to Ocala when I first moved here. And we popped in, and it just happened to be like this show where they were selling horses, mm-hmm. and uh, it was wild. You know, the whole auctioneer a lot of money stuff, in that too, ton man. of money, yeah. and they're buying. I don't even know what it was that day. I mean, there's different shows where it might be two year olds they're they're selling, or um, it's not only just racehorses, like I said. But it was a pretty wild scene, mm-hmm. really cool scene. So. Uh, it, it's fun. I think Ocala is a fun place and beautiful to just go watch it and see all the farms uh, in Ocala. All right, so we'll get a little derby in, in in just a bit. But I asked this question before the break. Thank you. I asked this question before the break. And there's a story on ESPN right now. And it, it, it raises why aren't players happier in the NBA? And it's kind of a silly question, it seems, right? Because there's a ton of money. In mm-hmm. the NBA, more money than ever before. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and there are very in this story. There's a lot of different reasons. You know, it's it it more like someone's quoted as saying, "More money, more problems," which I you can that's, yeah. that can be true. Yeah, right. It can yeah. be true. And 
it got me thinking because there was something I wanted to talk about a little bit yesterday with Yannick Ngakwe. And in sports, we know what people make. Mm-hmm. I can go up and down this two-floor building over to TV and CBS 47 and Fox 30 and right here at all our radio stations. And I can go up and down and, and I walk by everybody and I have no idea what they make. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I mean, now I might be able to make an educated guess, but I really don't. I have, I might be way off. It's a, it, And I don't know if everybody's business is like that, but I think across a lot of businesses, <laughs> people don't know what others make. Absolutely. And at least they don't know for sure. There's always a curiosity. It's not general knowledge. Yes. And so what happens is I think in the real world is if, say we did know what somebody made mm-hmm. and you know you work harder than that person mm-hmm. and they're making that, well, what does that naturally do? Makes you a little bitter. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. I, I, I think I see where you're going with this. Yeah. So in the NFL, everybody knows what they make. In the NBA, everybody knows. It's it's all over the place. And I wonder, and the reason I bring it up, because you're a perfect guy to ask, mm-hmm. how much conversation in a locker room is about what a guy makes? And some of it's like, hey, good for you. Like, Calais Campbell's made a ton of money in the NFL. He's on, like, his third big contract. Yeah. And he is what he, he came on the show this week on ESPN 690. He is rooting for Yannick Ngakwe to get paid. And yeah. he's not going to care that Yannick Ngakwe is going to get a bigger contract than Calais Campbell got, even though Calais Campbell's resume says a bunch more. They understand it. That's the nature of it. But take Yannick Ngakwe's situation, and you look across that locker room and uh, name a guy – Let's say, like even Dante Fowler when he was here. Mm-hmm. Wait, Dante's doing this. I'm doing this. Dante's rookie deal is worth this, and mine's worth this. Telvin uh, Smith, I he just got paid saying. over there. But wait a minute, what kind of years he having? Well, he's not doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So how this much? Is, yeah, you know, how much does that exist in a locker room in sports in general? And it obviously comes down to jealousy, but it also may get in your head a little bit. From the point where I'm not, I'm not doing like if Telvin Smith right now, and I'm, I'm sorry, Telvin, I'll keep using you as an example, but Telvin Smith right now is sitting on a big contract that he got paid after the 2017 season, and he's not coming to these workouts, and he had a captain jersey on. Yannick Ngakwe is like, man, look at my numbers. Mm-hmm. I haven't got a new deal yet. I'm, I'm doing all the right things. Why am I here? And to be honest with you, I think he's got a valid point. So from that perspective, I don't think that's what's going through. Is I see what you're saying. The only time that I ever worried about um, another person making more money than me or just, you know, from the work that I was putting in compared to somebody else was when I was a rookie. And, and I think this is more of a rookie thing than anything because you're still young to the game. You still think it's like, like this innocent, fun game you've been playing since you were, you know, in, in grade school. But it's a business you find out. And I found out it was a business when I, w- I think I, st- so I start, so I, I came in a fifth round pick. Derek Harvey was in front of me. Derek Harvey was the, the first round pick in Good Jacksonville. Example. And, um, you know, he says whatever you want about him, but he wasn't producing on the field. Well, by week six or seven, I ended up taking his spot. So I, I went from being inactive to taking his spot. Um, and that, I mean, I was, I was excited, obviously, and he was great with it from the point that he wasn't bitter. He was helping me. If I had questions, he would answer them, and, and I appreciate him for that. But what um, I started to question was, 
since he was like at the time, what, a four-year vet, I think, or a three-year vet, um, I had to go scout team, and then I had to go right from scout team, and then I had to do the first team reps on defense. So literally I had to go double duty because Harvey wouldn't go scout team. And um, so you can say that's not his job, and I get that, but at the same time, I mean, if you're a coach, you should probably ask uh, of a backup player regardless of his credentials to play, you know, to play back or to play scout team. Uh, that didn't happen. So I was going exhausted, you know, going from scout team, and I'm the only guy doing this. Nobody else is doing this, by the way. I'm going from scout team, and then I'm going from, you know, doing the first team reps, uh, getting ready for the game. And I remember thinking, like, man, uh, and, I, and I knew how much Harvey was making, and then I look at what I'm making, I'm like – it's kind of sucks, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. So th- th- that was the only time I ever did it in, you know, in, in the five years that I played in the league. And I think it's more of just a thing when you first come in, it's kind of a rude awakening. But don't get me wrong, as far as like talking about contracts and um, in the locker room, it never really happens that much unless those guys get paid. You know, if, if one of your teammates gets paid, then that's, it's a celebration because yeah. you're happy for him. I remember when Scobie signed his contract and he bought his Aston Martin. Yeah. Mintz was playing uh, uh, Aston Martin music by Rick Ross. So, like, when Scobie, <laughs> whenever Scobie would come in, we played, you know, Aston Martin music on, on the speaker for him. So, I mean, it, it's a celebration. But as far as, like, talking numbers and figures in the locker room, you don't see that that much. I think that's pretty cool, by the way, that players can do that. The egotistical guys mm-hmm. can still celebrate someone else getting Big money, even if they're not. Yeah. I, I think that is a cool part of it. It's like all the QBs in the room, even though they know they're not playing, they still help, even yeah. if somebody just beats you out. Let's talk more about it in a little bit. But I do say, even in our business, in sports business, if you're getting into it, don't ever add up the hours versus what you make. It's a dangerous thing. You can get really sour in your head. And I'm sure there are a lot of businesses like that. I think it's the most dangerous thing to do in, in a profession is to start adding up and going per hour what you make. Absolutely. Especially if you have a very busy job. A, it's a, a dangerous deal. I have a few stories about that, too. We'll tell we'll, sometime. We'll get back to it a little yeah. bit uh, in a little bit. But first, when we come back, a little derby talk. Oh, we got some major derby guest, talk. Murray State Week continues. You Are you kidding it. me? Racers in the derby. It just fits, people. Next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. A little weather in Jacksonville because of the rain. We might as well just be... At Churchill Downs, it's raining around here. (laughs) It's uh, raining up there, I believe, or it was uh, earlier today. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. Coos is here as well on a Friday. Thanks for hanging out with us on ESPN 690. And I think we will be able to count on one hand. By the end of this calendar year, how many times we talk horse racing on the show? That's but why. you know me. I told you in the past, it's the best. It's probably the most favorite thing I've ever covered. In yeah. this business. Yeah, you've been doing you it for 20 that. years, not radio side, but on the TV side. Uh, I absolutely loved it uh, up in uh, Albany and Saratoga. So uh, I don't mind talking a little well, horse racing, even though I've lost some touch with it. I will be honest with you. I, I don't look at it as much as I used to. So here, here's what happened, though. So we're talking, you know, about some show like the segments this week. And obviously the, the Kentucky Derby is a big deal. And we didn't really have an expert. I'm. The furthest thing from a horse expert. I mean, you look like like one hell of a jockey, really. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? Do I kind of fit that mold a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. So what ended up happening was, man. (laughs) bearded jockey. So what what happened was. Might be a little tall. (laughs) (laughs) So what what I did was, man, I put out the bat signal, Brent, because you know me. I I roll with some different circles, man. You do. uh, And I I just happened to have a a horse racing expert, if you will, that I went to school with a little bit. Murray State Week continues. Put out the bat signal. And he happens to be from Murray State, by the way. I mean, it's unbelievable. Murray State. 
State Week continues on ESPN 690. We had Mitch Stewart, the football coach, Quincy mm-hmm. Williams, the football player, on this week. And now we welcome in Will Werner, who played safety at Murray State on the football team. You know, I want to go back and look at this football team at Murray State. Austin Lane is a pro MMA fighter and now on the radio after playing in the NFL. Will, I think you do something with horses and uh, you're a vet of some kind. Yes, yep. So what else did you guys all graduate to do <laughs> at Murray State? <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. No, I think we got a, uh, we got a, a, a mixture of everything coming out of that school. There's plenty of it. So, anyways. So, hey, give us an idea why uh, you can be our horse racing expert. Uh, your family's been in it for a long time, it sounds like. I think even flirted with a derby horse or two. Uh, give us a little bit of background and, and how you, your connection to horse racing and why you're probably locked in on the derby this weekend. Uh, yes, or so. Uh, of course, my dad was a second-generation uh, horse trainer and um, had some pretty good horses. And we were in Kentucky for uh, he was up there for about 14 years, and you know had some had some pretty good horses. Never uh, never one got got one into the Derby, but uh, he had some that were were knocking on the door and had some injuries and and stuff. So uh, we've uh, you know, and then I went on to vet school after uh, undergrad, and of course made a veterinarian. And I'm at the track actually. I'm in Oklahoma City right now at Remington Park working. So, Good stuff. Uh, very good stuff. What, uh, give, you have any, like everybody else at uh, Murray State, we asked, you got any great Austin Lane stories nope. to share? Because we're all set, man. He's uh, kind of mum on those. <laughs> there, there's some Austin Lane stories, but I'll, I'll leave those off the air for right now. I you appreciate know? it, man. I appreciate it. So, Will, obviously, <laughs> are they all of them? Wait a minute. you going to leave yeah. all of them all off of the them. air? Brent, he said what he said, man. Next question. So... <laughs> So, well, I got to ask you, man, because, you know, coming from Wisconsin, it's not horse racing isn't really that big up there. Um, even when you took people to the Derby, I didn't tag along. And unfortunately, it's one of my biggest regrets now because I heard you guys were hanging out with like Michael Jordan and stuff in VIP and everything. And I missed out on that. Uh, I guess I didn't know how big the Derby was. But my question to you is, so growing up with a with family of trainers, I mean, when you're talking about horse training, is there a certain way you do things or do people have, kind of have their own philosophy? I mean, like, is there a certain set of rules that you should abide by? Um, I mean, as far as training goes, I mean, just like uh, you have uh, different football coaches approach things differently, just like trainers. Um, but a lot of them treat things the same and uh, will treat horses uh, in the same manner as far as getting them fit, uh, fitness training and all that. So it goes along the lines of, of a football coach. Everybody has different approaches, um, but it also uh, it kind of – depends on the talent that you have in the stable just like you do in the locker room and then that's the thing you mentioned the talent like how do you know when you got something special i mean obviously if they run in a race and they win it you got something special there but how do you actually recognize that before the horse actually races you know most trainers that's been doing it i mean like a bob bassard or Dwayne lucas these guys have been doing it forever i mean when they go to breezing horses and and working them out in the morning, um, they're going to give you an idea what kind of talent they have. Just like when you go on the field and, you know, we're in two days or whatever, coaches, you know, could spot you and, and see what kind of talent you you were going to have and uh, what you could uh, eventually get to. And, and a lot of these horses along those lines, I mean, if you keep them healthy and all and they have that type of talent, um, you see guys like Bob Baffert. He's probably the saving, uh, I would say, of, of the horse industry. Um He's a heck of a heck of a trainer, just like Saban is a coach. Um, but he's loaded with good talent, and so that's why you've got a guy with three 
of probably the top favorites now that Omaha Beach is scratched in the in the Kentucky Derby, you know. Yeah, well, Werner has uh, been around horse uh, racing for a while and his family and, and uh, giving us a little bit of conversation about the Kentucky Derby coming up uh, tomorrow. You mentioned Bob Baffert. When I was covering, and this was now uh, from 2002 until 2008, and I was covering Saratoga uh, horse racing, and see, Austin didn't know who Funny Side was, but you probably will, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So he thinks that you could. See, I knew you would know that. But when I was covering, Bob Baffert, I think at the time, was the guy that just couldn't win the. He was almost like Phil Mickelson, the guy who couldn't win the major. And Baffert was, he was shut out, I think, from the Derby and hadn't won. Well, and you compared him to Saban now, and you're right, he is Saban. But he was almost the Saban that coached the Miami Dolphins at the time, or LSU. You know, yeah. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't this this Saban, and he he isn't. He wasn't this Baffert. Uh, that guy is now dominating the sport. I thought Todd Pletcher would be the guy that now dominates the sport, and he's very good. But Baffert uh, has really taken a stranglehold on the sport of horse racing in recent years. He really has. He's had, um, you know, of course. Two Triple Crown winners. We didn't think we would ever see one. I didn't in my lifetime. And, you know, he's had American Pharaoh and then Justify. And now he's got, you know, three good ones uh, to be running tomorrow. So, you know, you're talking about a guy that's going for, you know, he's going to tie the record if he wins it tomorrow. He'll have uh, six derby wins. Uh, he'll tie the record. And, and uh, you know, he's probably the top in the game right now, like you said. Um, Todd Fletcher's. Always had a great stable. He's he's kind of out of a lull as far as uh, recently, but uh, he'll be around, and he he's got a shot tomorrow too. So, well, you, you mentioned Omaha Beach. What exactly happened with that? Was something with his throat or something? Obviously, you're probably the perfect person to ask in terms of what you do. Exactly. So yeah, so these horses. I mean, we um, we uh, go in their throat and, and look in their throat with uh, endoscope and and try to diagnose any problems that might be occurring and. Uh, from what I've read and heard, um, uh, Foster Northrup is the vet up there. I've um, been working there forever, and, and the trainer had called and, and said that the horse was coughing, and so Foster went in there and, and ran a scope down the horse's pharynx and, and saw that the horse was entrapped. And so it's pretty much the epiglottis um, gets entrapped with, um, you know, mucosa, and the horse is unable to breathe um, 100%. So they lose probably 30 or 40% of their airway and of course you know you're you're going against the best three-year-olds in the country tomorrow and so at that point the trainer they didn't have the time to fix the issue and uh and also run in the race um but he should be fine i think uh, dr emberson did the surgery this morning over at ridden riddle in lexington kentucky and uh i think he's supposed to make 100 percent come back and and probably be back in training and in, in i'd say three to four weeks you know well so like being a trainer i mean how much is that just detrimental to losing out with that horse because i mean i remember you, you guys had badges silver who was expected to go to the derby and then he ended up getting injured i mean from a training perspective do you lose out on a lot of money because that happens you lose a lot of money, and, and not only that, but say, you know, my dad, he was a, a smaller stable. I mean, he got up to where he had 100 horses in training at one point. But, um, you know, a horse like Badger Silver, they don't come around maybe once in a lifetime for a smaller trainer. And so we always hear about the Pletchers and the Bafferts and, and the big-name guys, and, and um, you know, they get a lot more horses and, and, of course, have, you know, more of a possibility of having that kind of talent where a smaller trainer, um, he may have that one shot and 
they get hurt, they get injured. Um, you know, just like when Pletcher, I think he won um, he won the Derby that year. He actually lost Escandorea. He was yeah. probably the going to be one of the favorites for the Derby, and and he bowed his tendon and uh, was actually retired. And you know, luckily Pletcher had another one to to run and actually won the race where. Dad lost badge of silver um, three weeks before the race, and and that's been it. That was pretty much uh, you know one shot that Dad lost at it. So. Yeah, that's the lottery ticket for sure. Hey, we got to wrap up, Will. But before we go, give uh, I'm a fan of, of the of horse racing, but it feels like it's in a tough spot. We talk boxing sometimes. We talk baseball. This isn't you know your grandfather's horse racing anymore. Uh, where do you see the sport as someone who kind of lives it uh, and is 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 right in the middle of it? I think uh, just like anything nowadays with social media and everything, everything's kind of uh, out there, and and a lot of publicity gets, of course, thrown at, at horse racing, especially thoroughbreds, because of uh, the amount of publicity. Y'all are talking about it. ESPN's talking about it. And so the public view is where we're trying to get where the public doesn't have a bad view of, of these horses and, and, and all. And so I think there needs to be more education um, you know, there was a big study that came out this week. They looked back at, at horse racing last year in the last two years, and a study showed that 99.2% of horses that went to the test barn and got tested were completely clean. That's clean of any medication, no violations, no rules. And so, you know, you're going to hear about that 0.7, of horses that test positive for therapeutic medications. And, you know, it kind of gives a black eye in the horse industry. But I think um, as far as you know, public view and everything, we just need to be more, um, you know, more initiative in far, as far as, you know, being um, coming forward and, and showing those guys, uh, you know, what actually is going on in these horses and w- what we're doing to try to help this industry. You know? Absolutely, man. So, babe, before we let you go, we got to ask you, I mean, how many of these horses do you know in the Derby and who do you like winning it? Well, I, I got you know I had the pleasure of uh, of being around Long Range Toddy. He came um, came out of Oklahoma and, and ran for Steve Asmussen here. So I'm I'm kind of pulling for Long Range Toddy, and and uh, I've got you know some close friends and and uh, by my standards like Brett Calhoun and, and all. But uh, I'm pulling for those two horses. I think it'll be tough to beat Baffert's three and and Tacitus of, of Bill Mott's. All right, okay. uh, Will Werner, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Good luck uh, uh, in, in your job and your future. And join us anytime talking some uh, horse racing, all right? <laughs> All right, y'all have a good one. All right, y'all. And thanks, we man. will get those stories on Austin Lane. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep digging. Murray State Week All right. concludes. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 690, and we'll have our derby picks a little bit later. He's a little horse racing on social media, and... Guess who chimes in? No idea. PETA. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Like They PETA. tweeted back at me. What'd they say? Ha, <laughs> ah, we're famous. Let's go. Probably nothing good. Oh, gosh, no. They're talking about, yeah, it's, they're talking about anything bad about horse racing. What do they um, say? Come on, you can't tell us that. Well, you know, they're they're the just show. sharing, like, a story. Oh, okay. They didn't, so they didn't say, like, how dare you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But, uh. But like they show, they tweet a video expose, mm. U.S. racehorses and others, including son of 2008 Kentucky Derby winner Big Brown, uh, in uh, Korean slaughterhouse. They say. Oh. So, I mean, that's part of it too. Oh. People do. Hey, and w- listen, part of the, it's not just PETA, by the way. But there's a lot of people that believe at horse racing. That's a um, that is animal cruelty and 
and I don't know if that's hurt the sport. I don't really haven't dove enough into that uh, to know if that's kind of hurt it in the last 10, 15 years, some of the bad publicity. But Will was even saying that, you know, that you hear about all the bad stuff. It's kind of like you hear about the guys that get popped for steroids or something yeah. in sports, or, but you don't anything you, in sports. Yeah. You, you know? hear about the bad stuff, but you don't really yeah. um, acknowledge the good stuff. And I mean, I've seen up close and personal, and I'm sure there's bad stuff that happens in in horse racing. I never came across it in six years of covering it. Yeah. And you're around those barns, and I think like to Will's perspective, you know, how much they they love that horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the name of it? Badge of Silver. Badge of Silver. Yeah. You know how much they love. I mean, there's like, it's no different than your relationship with your dog for that trainer and that horse. Sure. You know what I yeah, mean? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not just like a a number. You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's a relationship yeah. built in there too. So. so. Yeah. But what I what I uh, oftentimes and really do because I covered it. Like I look at a guy like Marquis Lee. Like you know, we always say like uh, that guy's a thoroughbred or that guy's a racehorse. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, Marquis Lee had a lot of those soft tissue injuries early on in his career, mm-hmm. and I je- I really do kind of put away his body type I, almost as like a racehorse. Yeah, it's so you're so muscular. So that any kind of little strain on your body, and they won't run a horse if mm-hmm. they've got a little. Just a little something. That's what is a little different. In an athlete, you can play through some of those things, mm-hmm. but you also have to be a little careful with a body type like. And again, I use Marquise Lee as an example but because he's got that sprinter body. He type. does. And this is what I want to uh, I want to ask you. So, like, if I say, what, what what does a sprinter look like to you? You're gonna say he's got a thick build. You know, I mean, he's got muscular leg. Whatever. I mean, he's yeah. He, it's like, Lee, like there's not Marquise an Lee. ounce of fat yeah. on him. I mean, yeah, very lean, obviously, but also muscular. Um, and probably on the shorter side. But then you you look at Usain Bolt. Yeah. And like, how do how do you explain that? How well, do you explain that anomaly? That's because Usain Bolt is the equivalent of LeBron James in basketball, Kevin Durant in basketball, Aaron Judge in baseball. It is so different, so unique. There's such a specimen well, that you don't you but, don't get that. And I understand that, but I mean, with all due respect, with the basketball or football, I mean, there's a skill set there. Like all Usain Bolt is doing is is running. And you think of a physique for a sprinter, I mean, it's pretty much the same across the board. But for whatever reason, Usain Bolt shows up and he's long, he's lanky, and he's not that. I mean, he's muscular, yes, but he's not like ripped or anything. Yeah. And for him to be that dominant, it's just uh. It's crazy. It is pretty unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different shapes and sizes, but there usually is a blueprint of sorts. Exactly. It's like we know what an offensive lineman looks like. Yes, yeah. Even though one or two of them might look a little different. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It goes along those same lines. Let's get back to our conversation a bit about the locker room. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had some uh, a thought or two, I, I think, on uh, social media when I asked the question. And Christopher said, it's only an issue, and, and I should reset it, uh, so apologies, but the thought was, is there almost a jealousy in the locker room? Is there when when you know that guy in your meeting room is making fourteen million dollars and you're only making eight hundred thousand dollars or two million dollars and you're outperforming that person, how tough is that to overcome mentally? How tough is that to swallow? And especially I think once you start getting up in years, you know, you understand rookie deals. You understand if it's your first year, your second year, that's what you signed. You got an opportunity. But now, like, say for Yannick Ngakwe, he's going to make, I think it's $2 million this year with the production he has. How much does that eat at you knowing that there's other guys out there making 20, and maybe well, not in his own locker room, making $20 million a year, either putting up the same numbers or sometimes a lot less numbers. For instance, Dante Fowler Jr., based on arrival in the league, 
and the way his contract works, is going to make $14 million this year. I'll tell you what. I know it's not with the Jags, and the Jags didn't give him that money, but the fact that if I just said to – if I had Yannick Ngakwe in there right now, I said, hey, man, you're making $2 million this year, and uh, Dante's going to make 14 mm-hmm. I mean, he'd probably be like, want to throw up. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. So <laughs> I would, too. No, absolutely. And, yeah, it gets talked about, but one thing that you're forgetting to mention, too, so – Listen, and I was never in Ngakwe's case. I was never in Fowler's case, but I've been in locker rooms, and I kind of get how they operate. From the perspective of, you know, especially your first couple years, I mean, once you sign your, your – assuming where you get drafted, once you get that signing bonus and you sign that rookie deal, I mean, you pretty much know that you're set for a, at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you you get your signing bonus. Um, you get, like, your first – you know, the check of the, of the regular season, and you're like – yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah, you know that's um, nice. No, it's it yes. is nice. So to answer your question with like Ngakwe, like yeah, money is important and everything, but you got to remember, you have agents in your ears too, and the agents have a job, and the agent's job is to try to get you know the, the most bang for their buck out of their uh, out of the out of their player. So a lot of the times, I mean, while I think some of it has to do with the athlete, the football player, I think a majority of it has to do with the agent and the athletes. You're saying, well, look how much this guy just got right here on this team. Well, these are your stats. This is what we're going to try to get you. Yeah, because where you slotted. Yeah, yeah, because the agent has a job to do too. Absolutely. Okay. So like, so I said that going forward, I mean, like, it's even with, like with Ngakwe. Like, I'm not sure what type of person he is. I've never really had a conversation with him. Seems like a pretty humble guy, hardworking guy. Um, but you got to wonder, like. If a part of it has to be to his agent going, well, look what, you know, Lawrence just got paid. Look what Clark just got paid. This is where you're going to rank. These are your stats. We need to get you paid like that. And and that's the agent's job. So that's a part of it as well. Yeah, and that's where it can become a little bit of a sticking point because your agent and you, what you think, isn't always what the organization thinks. Exactly. You have to see your whole skill set. I think you also have to say, okay, from the player's side, are they being fair here? You know, is this? are they just trying to pull one over on me? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but from the organization standpoint, you got to make sure they value you like you value yourself. And there's always a good chance you value yourself more than your company or your ownership You're values. You always value yourself more. You, that's just the way you know, it is. Yeah, that's just the way it works. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Christopher says it's only an issue between players when the cash cow produces like a lame duck. And that was a little bit of the example you gave. And, and, yeah. and just to clarify your example, you just said from a practice standpoint, not a money standpoint with Derek Harvey, Derek yeah. Harvey's getting paid a ton of money. Austin Lane comes in on a fifth round uh, deal and supplants him a couple years later as into the starting lineup, but you're still stuck on scout team right into defense. Yeah. And, and you said it even crossed your mind. Like, wait a minute. What, wait, <laughs> he doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. And that's honest. I, I I thought that was a great example. But that's what Chris says. Uh, that drives jealousy. Outside that, payment equals production value. And it should um, often. Mm-hmm. But I, I remind people on the whole Yannick front, while Yannick Ngakwe has earned a paycheck, and we had a lot of discussion about this yesterday, so if you missed any of it, go check it out on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 Podcast or any of the video platforms. But there are times when you say, okay, I signed a four-year deal worth $100 million or $80 million, and you don't offer to give that back when you only come up with six sacks instead of 12. <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. player doesn't do that. That's the no. risk, the, obviously, the organization assumes. So it doesn't work that way. But it's but, interesting but, but, that but players – But pay cuts, though, Brent. Teams will ask you sometimes like a pay cut as well. You. 
Or they can just cut you all together. Yeah, yes. once there's guaranteed money out. And that yeah. does make football a little bit different. Yeah, because it, it's not guaranteed. But it's an interesting deal where players, the view, I think, from the public is even. And the I think the public, a lot of the public fans, have the players back on this, especially Yannick's in this situation, mm-hmm. says, well, I've earned it, so I should get paid ahead of when I'm actually scheduled to get paid, which would be next year. <laughs> but if Yannick, two years from now, still is on the front end of his deal and still is owed guaranteed money they're not going to cut him because it's too costly but if Yannick only delivers six sacks and he's getting paid 20 million dollars he's not offering to give that back no (laughs) so that's where I think there's a bit of a give and take here and and while I still think it's timing and I think Yannick Ngakwe should get paid we have to look at it from that point of view too and that's kind of the risk that the organization takes on let me ask you this though you said that the fans have the players backs I feel like in this case they do, in well, a lot of cases say, they do. I so, feel, this, I feel so, around here, at least I'm on Jags Twitter, yeah. I feel like Jags Twitter really has the, no. the the players' backs on a lot of these discussions, whether it's Leonard Fournette getting arrested, whether it's Yannick Ngakwe getting paid, whether it's Jalen Ramsey being away from here. Uh, there's a little bit of a mix right now, I think, on the Telvin Smith front, but I think even the media, at, at least from what I've seen, has gotten hammered a bit for bringing up the Telvin Smith stuff and connecting dots. Yet well, Delvin Smith is just missing voluntary workouts. So yeah, I feel like, and I might not, I haven't done a poll on this, but I feel like, no, that's, and that's a good thing. I don't mind well, the fans having their back. So getting my question. So this is the narrative, though. So the fans have Ngakwe's back right now, correct? I think so. Say, I think every one of them wants to see okay, him get paid. Exactly. But now let me ask you this question. So then, why is it that say for whatever reason, I'm not saying it's going to happen, probably won't, but say Ngakwe doesn't sign this year, and say he goes to test on the free agent market the following season. And say he goes to play, I don't know, say for the Dolphins, because they're offering him $10 more million. The Jaguars fans aren't going to support him then. The Jaguars fans are going to say he's a traitor, that he's not loyal to the franchise, that uh, you know, that, that he's a Benedict Arnold, all this. Mm, I don't oh, know. Brent, you, uh, this is coming from the guy who grew up in Wisconsin when Greg Jennings went to the Minnesota Vikings for a couple more million dollars. They crucified him in the state of Green Bay. Well, I think in this case... Let's mm-hmm. just take this case. I, I wasn't. I'm not super familiar with the Greg Jennings one, and I don't know how much hostility there was on him picking just the two million dollars more money. Well, it wasn't. I mean, it was a couple more million dollars, yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I think the organization here, if Yannick Ngakwe were to walk, which by the way he won't because there's a franchise tag available yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But if you were to walk in this hypothetical situation, I think people would absolutely hammer the organization. A homegrown guy who's produced the way he has and not able to lock him up and sign him up would be bad for the organization. They okay. will take a PR hit on this one big time. So this you know, you know the, like, the player gets nothing then? You think it's all an organization? I think in this case okay. it is. I don't okay. think in all cases. I was trying to put and, I, and I'm actually fans. trying to come up with a another situation here in Jacksonville, but there just hasn't been a lot of homegrown talent that the Jags have been able to keep and say, I want to give you more money. Well, and that's true. Like when Maurice Jones went to the Raiders, there wasn't a big outrage of like, Not at oh, that time in his go. career. No. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think you're right. If, if, if Yannick Ngakwe could walk right now and he turns down, not now, but he turns down a hundred million dollar deal in September mm-hmm. or in the summer and then he walks well, then it's back on Yannick Ngakwe. Wait a minute. You turn down $100 million yeah. because you could go get 105 with the Dolphins? Well, then the fans have a different view. But until they see that offer sheet, I think they're on Yannick's side right now. Oh, I agree, too. Absolutely. You are, of course, always on the player's side. <laughs> Falling and falling next on ESPN 690.
Oh, I like some of these responses. Jack Stan, thanks for bringing this up and prompting uh, perhaps a little more discussion on this topic in just a moment. We are going to do balling and balling and falling, but uh, Jack Stan says the fans crucified the team when A-Rob went to Chicago. Uh, interesting. I'm trying to think back of the temperature there, and I think he's right about the team part. I remember the. By, by the way, I'm not sure I crucified the team, but I certainly was critical of the team. I thought Allen Robinson should have been a weapon they keep, and mm-hmm. I think they're still missing Allen Robinson. Uh, now, in hindsight, we at the Super Bowl learned a little bit about Allen Robinson and his deal. He, he had been offered a, a deal, and Labor Day didn't. Nothing got done. Uh, and then he got hurt, and then obviously things changed. The Jags dropped their price tag a little bit coming off the ACL, which, you know, is, I think, reasonable from the organization's standpoint. I mean, guys coming off an ACL, you're probably not going to pay him what you were going to pay him prior to the injury, um, at least not every bit of it. So you have to protect yourself in some way. Uh, Ocho Fischio says fans were relatively indifferent to Allen Robinson. So we'll get some thoughts on that, have that conversation uh, continued, and – I do think at times, where do you support the athlete versus the organization? (laughs) I think this is an organization, in this front office especially, that gets hammered probably more so than the athlete does. You know, these athletes with big personalities, the the, uh, Fournettes, the Ramseys, the even throwing Ngakwe in there, or uh, I, I think maybe Telvin Smith. I think most of the time those guys get the benefit of the doubt. I, I think the the fans really love those guys, and partially because they're such good players. I mean, I don't know if I love the players or the way they go about things all the time. So I'm not going to – I'm indifferent on that. But I love that we have players in Jacksonville that have a little bit of an edge and are good enough oh. to say, you know, that can have that edge because that's what I think the NFL is supposed to be. I think if you go cover a team in New York, you usually have a guy like Odell Beckham or be in the past Michael Strahan. Like teams have those guys. Jacksonville has been void of many of those guys in the last decade outside of probably Maurice Jones-Drew until this new crop has come up. It's even with Blake Bortles. I mean, it wasn't like Blake Bortles was the best quarterback in Jaguars history, but fans related to him because he was a, a personable guy. He was the everyday kind of guy. The guy liked to have a couple beers, go out to the beach bar, whatever. Fans related with that. I think with Jalen Ramsey, I mean, fans can relate with him because Jalen Ramsey sometimes says what all fans are thinking. Like, for instance, for that GQ article, when uh, he was, you know, trashing some of those quarterbacks, I guarantee there's been, you know, a few... NFL fans who have had uh, maybe a, like a Matt Ryan or somebody in fantasy football who didn't pull through. And, you know, people want to get, get behind Jalen Ramsey. So, yeah, I think sometimes the I guess the fans do take the player's side, and, and, and as they should. You know, I mean, this is this is the entertainment business. I mean, fans tune in to watch the players. They don't tune in to watch the management or the coaches. You know, I mean, let's be honest. The, the coach's job is to get the players ready, and the management um, kind of makes the whole thing run. But... I think the players will always uh, at least be, for the most part, supported by the fans. But like I said, I mean, there's a couple instances. Like or, like I said, the whole Greg Jennings incident was because I think, and, you know, I don't know where it stemmed from, but for anybody that's wondering what I'm talking about, so Greg Jennings was, like, the, the top receiver in Green Bay. He was, he was the top weapon um, with Aaron Rodgers. And for whatever reason, Greg Jennings decided to go in a different way, and he became a free agent and chose Minnesota. And Minnesota is a big rival in the NFC North. And it was only for like a couple more million dollars. Now, I remember being a kid at the time that happened. And I remember just the outrage, like, what a traitor. Why would he do that? You know, he's, you know, a Judas or whatever they, people wanted to call him. And 
you know, at the time, too, I was mad at him because I was a Packer fan at the time, right? But then the older I got, and once I got to the league, I realized, like, this is a money thing. You know, I mean, if number one, the game of football doesn't last forever. And, like, a split of a second, it can be gone. So if a guy's got opportunity to get a couple more million dollars out of it, then more power to him. Yeah, um, let's stay on that. Screw it. We'll uh, save balling and falling. But I like where you're going with the conversation because it brings up something else. So, <laughs> okay. But first, let's get to South Beach Gary. He's on the line uh, checking in on a Friday. What you got for us today, South Beach Gary? Good afternoon, gentlemen. And I think rightfully sober, you're talking about front office, not only because of the – you think of the Coughlin situation extending Blake a year before he had to, the fact that – Caldwell and the entire Jags organization, 10 out of 11 years they picked in the top 10, six more times. Think about it, Austin, or for, excuse me, four more times than the next closest team, than even the Browns or the Bengals or some of the other dregs of the league. The, the Caldwell, I, I can understand why a lot of people, including me, think Caldwell's been stealing money from the organization. The fact that he still has a job after all those disastrous first-round picks – I can understand why a lot of fans are angry at the management side of things. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you have a good weekend, too. And and this is what I say to that. While I respect that, there's a couple of thoughts. And, And I think a lot of people have the same thoughts as South Beach Gary and a lot of those fronts. This has been an 11 year running debacle minus 2017 for the Jaguars. Mm hmm. All those 11 years are not on Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone even Dave Caldwell, or any of the players in that locker room. Now, there might be two years attached, four years attached, five or or six years in Dave Caldwell's case attached, but not 11 years. And this is a hard thing for fans to separate. This is where it's hard to connect, I've always said. See, I grew up in New England, so everybody loved the Red Sox, or either like the Yankees or the Red Sox, even in New England. But uh, there was... There was a disconnect between so many Red Sox teams and the fan base because although they heard 82 years and 84 years and 86 years since they had last won a title, those cats had been around there for like a year or two. It wasn't my fault they didn't win in 1986. <laughs> they would, it wasn't my fault they didn't win in 1947. Yeah. You know, I didn't get rid of Roger Clemens before his career was over. You know, so there, that's what the fans feel. The fans feel the accumulation of it. But inside the building, they feel it's hard to feel like what the fans are feeling, number one. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, they feel what they feel like that year and in that time frame. And I always say this about the Red Sox in 2003 and 2004. I think the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004 because in 2003, they got beat by Aaron Bleepin Boone on a home run to walk off and go to the World Series in a in a fantastic Game 7 ALCS against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. I think it hit a lot of those players that year. They felt what the fans had fin- been feeling for decades. They had finally felt it. And you know what? I associate that thing, that moment, that feeling where the the players of a pro football or pro franchise come together with the fan base and, and they almost are one with kind of what happened here in Jacksonville in 2017. I think Jalen Ramsey and Blake Bortles and Telvin Smith and all of these guys had lost enough in the first couple of the years that they could also feel with the Jaguars fan base. You know, they could say, man, 
this is awful. I mean, the last two years have felt like the last 10 years. I can relate now when I see this guy in the grocery store or when he's mad as hell at a football game. So there's this relationship that takes place. Now, what else happened? Hey, the Jags played better. They got Calais Campbell. They added Leonard Fournette. They did some of those things. A.J. Boye, you know, they did some of those things. But the core group that was around here could really appreciate what the Jags fans had felt now for the last decade. I don't think that happens every day. I, I think that's really hard connection to make between a professional organization, the players that play for that organization, and a fan base that feels what they feel. I think probably to a degree, Joe Madden, the Cubs, they all felt that 100-year history that the fans had finally talked about. Before it was just noise. Ah, those are the fans. That's a fan thing. But then you connect to it. So I think in, in time, I'm not saying, by the way, if you connect to it, you automatically win. But I think there are just times in sports and in sports cities where that connection does take place. Uh, I think someday it will take place in Buffalo. That Some team will will feel the four Super Bowl losses. The, the decades of despair in Buffalo, and they'll finally relate and at the same time be good enough <laughs> to come together with that fan base in Buffalo and, and all want to jump through a freaking table. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just I think that happens in sports sometimes, and it's a really cool thing when it happens. We felt it just two years ago, but it's not an easy thing to take place. It's just a it's a different animal. It's a hard thing for players to relate and feel what fans do year in and year out. So getting back to South Beach Gary's um, you know, comments about Caldwell as the general manager. Listen, the general manager's job is to assemble the roster that he sees fit, and then it's the coach's job to you know, improve the product on the field. So when the Jaguars weren't winning, I mean, do you want to say was it a reflection of Caldwell or was it a reflection of Gus Bradley when he was here? Well, they got rid of one of those issues in Gus Bradley. Okay, and I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. The quarterback's always going to be tied to the GM. That's just the way it works. And when you tie Blake Bortles to Dave Caldwell, yes, I can see some of the outrage. But this is the same quarterback, whether you like him or not, that led the Jacksonville Jaguars to an AFC championship game. So, you know, from maybe asking, so why is Caldwell still around? Well, let's be honest. Caldwell's also the guy that brought in Ramsey. You know, Caldwell's the guy that brought in Miles Jack. Caldwell's oh, the guy that... Wait a minute. The fan, though, says it doesn't like Caldwell. So they landed in his lap. Okay, well, you still got to turn in the card. Have, okay, but cool. he did, did turn in the card. You still got to turn in the card. Um, and let's not forget, yeah, and he, he actually, well, and he, he traded for Miles Jack as well. He yeah. didn't, didn't fall on his lap. Yeah, traded yeah. up to get him. Um, you know, you're a guy that took Allen Robinson in the second round, which is a pretty good pick. You're a guy that got Allen Hearns. Uh, under, I mean, there's so there's picks around. And now I get it. The Luke Jokel pick wasn't ideal. Yes. Uh, that was kind of a crappy draft overall. And, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to offend Dave Caldwell here. But I'm just saying, I mean. I think you can the, make more of a defense for Caldwell than people want to give credit to. Exactly, yeah, that's my point. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right. I think some of those picks, those middle-round picks the Jags have done well with, Brandon Linder, okay, time to time, but you, mm-hmm. you, Brandon, uh, Telvin Smith, I mean, yeah. the guy made a Pro Bowl. Yeah. You know, it's it's a good, Aaron Colvin was a good player. DJ Hayden, by the way, was a good signing. Calais Campbell, a good signing, and they were able to lure him away from his hometown of Denver to do it. You have to get credit for some of that stuff. People don't want to give any credit. No, the, the, and you should get knocked too, for Brent. some of the first round I mean, picks. well, there is bad, too. We got Julius Thomas wasn't a good one. Not Dante good. Moncrief, not yes. good at all. So there is good and there is bad, but um, like I said, it's always going to be tied to the quarterback. So if Foles doesn't do well this year, then maybe it's time to chalk the deuces. Yeah, and listen, I I think the organization could go either way, but 
I I think Caldwell has done some good things, too. What I say about those draft picks is they did get you to the AFC Championship game. Longevity-wise, it hasn't worked out. But Bortles and Fowler and Fournette all contributed Whether to the like AFC title game. That's the they fact. Did. Uh, but longevity does win the day, and they were not able to re-sign those guys or at least have them for a decade, which you'd like to have with first-round picks. Oh, we're not done here. Let's do some balling and falling when we come back. Not Cassius Clay says, hell yes, we've got Yannick Ngakwe's back. It's not his fault they've made poor monetary decisions. Pay the man. He's earned it and then some. Hmm. Been saying that for the past couple days now, Brent. Yeah, I, I do. I'm not a big uh, salary cap junkie. I do think, again, I believe there's an element of timing that matters in all of this. Here we go. Listen, Are we about to get into it again? No, but you, you can't ignore the fact that even if you've made poor decisions, say it turns out the Jags have made poor decisions, which we know they did with, with Blake Bortles now, and with, uh, say, with the Telvin Smith. We gave him money, too much money, yeah. didn't work out. Maybe even with Brandon Linder, by the way. That's one I leave out. I mean, Linder, too, has been hurt and hasn't really produced the, to the continent. He was the highest paid center in the league for a little bit. So say you make a mistake with all those three. Well, it doesn't mean you can put yourself in salary cap hell moving forward just to try to make up for it. So they've still got to at least move the dollars around and do things that make sense for the organization. And I think there might be an element of that that says, all right, we've got to get through this offseason. We've got to. And I told you this yesterday. I thought there was a chance maybe they asked other guys to restructure. And so they thought that would open up more money, and by now they could have, have moved on and, and further along with negotiations with Yannick Ngakwe, and guys said no. I mean, it's possible. I, I brought up guys like Calais Campbell, and maybe it's an A.J. Boye, and some of these guys making decent money, and maybe even a Telvin Smith. Maybe that's part of the problem. So if you could have created more dollars, well, then you could cre- you could take care of Yannick Ngakwe right now. Maybe they don't feel comfortable from a cap standpoint after signing Nick Foles to the big deal, which they had to do something there, um, and, and paying Yannick Ngakwe at this stage of it, even though they have every plan to do so at some point. What I don't know if you if that is the case, why you wouldn't have already communicated that potentially well, with the player, and maybe they have. I mean, again, we're all assuming this is like this is like a a rift. I'm not sure there's even a rift between Yannick Ngakwe and the Jags. I think he might have just said. I'm getting out of here because I came for two weeks and that's all I need. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that there's a rift between Ngakwe at all. What I'm saying is there's either two scenarios right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Either you can afford to pay Ngakwe or you can't. If you can afford to pay him right now through salary cap, if there's enough money right now on the table, then you pay him. If you do not have that money available, then you make that money available. And I'm not sure. Like, Listen, uh, I know a lot of things in football. Understanding the salary cap, Brent, not really one of them, man. Yeah. I don't think anybody it really understands complex. the salary cap. I don't think the GM even understands the salary cap sometimes. <laughs> like, it's that crazy. They have a guy that but, understands it well in John no, Idzik. So. I hear you, but I'm just joking. But if you can afford him right now, then pay him right now, okay? Like, what, what else What else are you waiting for? Are you, are you trying to hope that somebody else falls in your lap, too, at the same time? No, for no, no, no. My so point in the... that is, but, but, but around Labor Day, you make cuts and stuff. So that's why I think deals get done sometimes at that juncture be, that's why I keep using that time frame is because more money You've does. You've been very adamant up. about Labor Day. Well, yeah. I just feel like I feel like you get through August. It, it sh- you, he's a healthy guy. You still want to move on with this. He's everything you thought he was. And you maybe have cut a couple of guys to create more room. Careful I, with I, that health, Brent. I'm telling you, man. That's 
I, I, I hate that. I hate that verbiage. I I, I, I'm I do not, not like this again. If you want no, to hear, hear me win an argument, just go back to okay. yesterday's show. No, Actually, hey, Jackson, okay, ESPN Brent, well then, you know what? You're going to keep pouring salt in that wound. Let's get into it then. So in terms of injury, say Yannick Ngakwe rolls his ankle working out. Are you still going to pay him the money if he's got a sprained ankle? Like, wh- where's the line? We're talking a season-ending injury. We're talking maybe he's out, uh, maybe preseason training camp. Are you going to pay him then? Like, wh- where's the line here? Uh, yeah, I, I would say if he rolls an ankle and he's coming back and he's ready for the opener, then I'm I'm willing to move on. If he tears an ACL or an Achilles and the second week, second day of camp, um, which God bless him, I hope he doesn't. No, obviously uh, we're not wishing that anybody. Then. I ain't paying him until after the year. But that's what I'm saying. So where's the line? Season-ending injury, not paying him. Maybe a couple games you're paying him. Like, what's... Well, season-ending injury, I'm, I'm well, not, yeah, paying. not paying. No one's paying anybody if a season-ending Yeah, but besides that. But that is the line. So what that gets... Season ending, so I know, I'm saying, like, you're worried about injuries. But say say he gets in an accident and he's out for a couple weeks. You're still going to pay him then? Yeah, I think I would. Okay, then. That's all, that's, that's all I wanted to That's all I wanted to hear. I think I would. Okay. Okay, uh, so we're, we're worried about him being out for the season. That's it. It's freaking football, dude. I mean, it happens. Okay, man. Dude, and uh, he, Isaiah he Crowell also, he was also in an OTA, to, and he just is out for the year. And Gakwe can go to his car tomorrow and hop in his truck and tear something. You know, like, Absolutely. Dude, it happens and all the time. Does, but, I ain't paying him. Okay, I understand that. But to, to, to hold, you're holding a player hostage, basically. You're saying, you better not get hurt here. You got three months, and you better not do anything crazy, because if you do, <laughs> we're not going to pay you. Are you that's talking a, about, like, off the field doing. stuff? That, that's exactly what you're doing right now. If If you're about to buy a million-dollar car or a million-dollar house. Let's make it a better. Okay. Are you buying the million-dollar house without doing an inspection? Here, here's what I'm doing, Brent. If, if I go to the parking lot tomorrow and say I'm in the I'm in the market for like a Lamborghini or something, say I go to a Lamborghini dealership, um, and let's say hurricane season's coming up, am I just going to wait till after hurricane season because, well, I don't want that car to get dented on the lot, so let's see what the lot does quick. Let's make sure the lot takes care of that car until hurricane season's done. So I'm going to wait an extra five months to get a Lamborghini just because I'm worried about, well, I hope the company can take care of the car before the hurricane comes through. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm buying that Lamborghini right now because you know why? I want a Lamborghini, <laughs> so I'm going to buy it. I'm not going to wait five months and hope, well, I hope this plays out and that plays out. No. If I want a Lamborghini, I'm going to buy a Lamborghini. I would do want a damn Lamborghini, by the way, but I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm too tall. <laughs> Not gonna work. I, I don't mind your your analogy here, but let's let's do it the way the Jags have it. Okay. You already have a Lamborghini, but it's a 2006 Lamborghini. You already have it, mm-hmm. and it's got about seventy thousand miles on it, so it's running good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you already paid it off, or you only owe like two more payments. Mm-hmm. But now you want this 2019 Lamborghini. That thing is awesome. Mm-hmm. And you're worth it's worth your investment. But you're going to hang around for five more months or whatever, so I don't have to pay. I'm going to finish off with this one. Okay. And then I'll buy that Lamborghini when I save up a few more months. And, and, I, and I realize, by the way, the hurricane did not hit. Well, and the hailstorm did not hit that Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. And it looks as good as I thought it was going to look. Mm-hmm. That's the situation the Jags are in. They've got this guy under contract. They have him under contract, yes. But who's to say that they're going to study that Lamborghini? Who, who's to say that they're going to be feeling comfortable with you taking that Lamborghini? I don't know why you're so upset about paying him now rather than September. Because you're basically telling the player that, listen, 
we really respect you a lot, but we don't respect you enough to pay you right now. We got to wait an extra three months just to make sure you don't get hurt. Like, if you're really that confident in a guy, then you pay him. You, you you don't play games. You don't you don't hold out. You pay the guy. That's business. And, and I understand. Okay, so bi- from a business standpoint, Brent, yes, you pay Ngakwe later on, right? Like that's a smart business move. It wouldn't be smart to pay him right now. And I understand that part. And the NFL is a business, but it's also in terms of other establishments or other jobs you work for, there is a there is a trust. Um, involved with football. There is a family narrative, I think, involved in football. And there is a sign of good faith in football that some other businesses may not have. True. Okay? So, and those things are important. And if you don't pay a guy because you're trying to wait an extra couple months to see, well, I hope he doesn't get hurt, you're not showing good faith, you're not showing trust, and you're not establishing a good business model for the future going forward. That's just how I feel about well, it. Well, one, there's two things here. One, I've, I've said this on a constant basis. I think if you ask the players who have been paid or who have gone through things, I think the Jaguars organization the last handful of years has handled their business well. I don't think there's a knock against the. You know, like I gave this example yesterday, like San Diego with the whole Joey Bosa thing and the mm-hmm. holdout. There was a knock against San Diego for the way they handled that situation. I don't think the Jags are in those kind what of would you conversations. Say about Mercedes Lewis, I I think the Mercedes Lewis thing, which actually is something we haven't talked about enough, probably with the Telvin Smith thing, mm-hmm. is something that I believe the Jaguars organization got ticked off over semantics about coming to OTAs and coming to this time of year and said and didn't like that fact. Mm. And then things got a little rift mm-hmm. and it was see you later. And I, I think the organization paid for that, if that's the way I understand it. If, if that's what happened, that's kind of my read on it. Well, and I think that's what they didn't do is go load up on tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> if there's something happening with Telvin Smith, at least they learned and said, we're going to load up on linebackers. <laughs> so I don't think they'll make that same mistake again uh, in that sense. But I don't think it was – this isn't the, – the Mercedes Lewis is totally different. Okay. I believe. I don't okay. think it was a dollar's – as much as I mean, they still paid. Actually, they had to pay him a half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Once they cut him, they'd already given him his bonus. So I don't think I think that was kind of a unique situation, a little bit different situation. Okay. Uh, but the Jags have handled most of their business, I think, in the right way. I'm talking from a contractual standpoint. They mm-hmm. gave Alan Hearns a ton of money before they. I mean, they didn't need to even give him that much money. I don't believe. I mean, they took care of Brandon Lear. They took care of Senderic Marks when that. They took but, care of those guys. That's that's the nature of the beast, though. If you're playing good, you deserve to be compensated for it. You do, but do you have it's to be compensated like 12 months before your contract runs out? Just saying, Can you be compensated seven months? Hey. It's the nature of the beast, Brent. Adapt or die. Just saying. And by the way, there will be no hard feelings from Yannick Ngakwe as long as he signs a contract for $100 million in September rather than May. If you got the money, you pay him. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and I'm done. More to come. Are we going to get to balling and falling or what? Stop <laughs> sidetracking me. Next on ESPN 690. I still can't get over how much this is an issue, whether we pay Yannick Ngakwe in May or September. But Kuz came to my rescue a little bit. Oh, so in the no, Lamborghini. This is absolute. I'm yeah. going to walk out of the show. I got to phone, phone the friend. Okay. He said I gave a bad analogy. He said I should have used this instead. And he cool. was right. The cool. Lamborghini. Let's hear it. Instead of buying the Lamborghini. Yeah. And it gets dented, right? 
Or no, you yeah. just sit hey, there and drive. Why, why don't you just come in here and join the debate because oh Brent's not talking to you up very well. No, the, the Lamborghini was, analogy. Why would you buy the Lamborghini if you don't have to drive for another few months? Why would you yeah. have it and just have it sit in your parking lot where it could get dented? You got a broken leg and you can't because drive. You live, excuse me? Because you live in Florida and you want to drive it around. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because you can't drive it around. It's, so it's you don't Florida. Who's made the best you point yet? You don't need yet. to drive for what the next you don't need to drive? Why would you buy a Lamborghini right now if you don't need to drive for three more months? The point but you do vehicle. need to drive. No, but, but, the, you, but, but you need the, a vehicle to get around. No, but the equivalent is we're comparing it to Yannick Ngakwe's situation. So go, play a so, game for so five so months. So then go Uber then. Cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Both of you guys are, are – I'm, I'm tired of it. Hey, I'm tired of it. That was good. In this, that Uber, was good. Uber oh, is like a 10-day oh, contract. Oh, the on a team now. Should I get me and Twitter to get back at you, Brent? Because I got people that agree with me a lot more than they agree nah, with I you. I think Twitter agree with me. Oh, I don't think Twitter agrees with you, Brent. I think we've established that since day one, <laughs> sir. And, <laughs> and, and I'm not sure if they're afraid hey. of me or what, but I'll take it. How did the Daniel Day-Lewis versus Forsum go? <laughs> 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 out not of good. context, not that good. is a very confusing question. Not good. <laughs> Not good. Thank you very much, Kuz, because for some, no one gets what that even means. Uh, anyway, I hope yeah. you listen to the show to get that reference. Uh, yeah. You don't have to do that. If you're a new listener, we apologize. Hey, we have some good feedback on the Allen Robinson front I put out there, too. Who who was more to blame in the Allen Robinson going to Chicago? Or who did you blame more, Allen Robinson or the organization? So we'll get to those in a minute. But i got to get the ball in and fall in, so let's do it. What you got? <laughs> I really need to get a, a pacemaker. By the way, this is the second day in a way. you got to be able to handle these conversations. Well, I'm going like to kick your ass in these debates, and you got to be ready. All, careful how you say kick your ass around me. Second of all, it's like 95 degrees in here. I need you to mind your P's and Q's again, Brett. It's 95 degrees in here. Can we get our boss? Uh, Nick's not in the office today, but can we get a fan or something yeah. in here? You guys want to come in here because it's like a yeah. it's like I understand a we can't have a TV room. in here, but can we at least get a little desk fan or something? I'm sweating. All right. So soft. Oh, man. <laughs> Brent, oh, okay. I'm, I'm trying my best to be on my work behavior, but you're making it really hard right now, champ. Uh, balling, going with Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, yeah, just get into it, Goose, whatever. <laughs> he, he was talking last night. It was cool. Check this out. And, and I think it's critical... In the playoffs, everything's magnified. The noise will be magnified. The criticisms will be magnified. And I think it's imperative that Nick Nurse and his coaching staff insulate the players and themselves from all the noise. You don't take criticism from people that you wouldn't take advice from. And so you don't listen to what the media says. You don't listen to what fans say. Listen to your group and your coaching staff. You can't go past the speed limit with that gym right there. You just preach. Say that again, my friend. Or you don't take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from. That's a good word. I mean, not much more needs to be said there when we're talking about the Toronto Raptors uh, falling behind the game. I think Jeff Van Gundy said it completely perfectly where he said, don't take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice That's from. a little life advice. Brent, are you listening from people on Twitter when they make fun of you and they, they disagree with you? Don't even listen to them, man. They're yeah. all good. I, I uh, think... But, but in, in all reality, it's a good piece of advice. It is a good piece of advice. That's a good uh, piece of, of balling right there. Mm -hmm. I, I like that one. And I also have a, a second part, too. Oh, two parts so, of balling. So Jeff Van Gundy came up here Supposed flexing as well. Segment. So when we're talking about Joel Embiid, we got other stuff to talk about, or what? You want to talk about some more horse racing? <laughs> okay, I think we're okay then. So when we're talking about flexing, uh, Jeff Van Gundy was asked if Joel Embiid is in the elite centers of all time, you know, with your Wilt Chamberlains, with your Akeem Olajuwans. This was his response. I thought it was pretty good. Kuz doesn't have it, obviously. He's Hold on. Oh. Pump the brakes. No, no, no. no, pump your brakes. Are you? No, no. We're not going to do that to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. Pump your brakes. The evidence is in front of us. Barring injury. Loved it. I love the passion. I love how that's going to be a button now when I do my uh, Stay in Your Lane segment. I was going to say, Pretty why didn't you put that in around. Stay in Your Lane? I got something else for Stay in Your Lane. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I thought... Uh, that would have been a good connection. I mean, I, I thought it was just a, it was a great thing. Uh, shout out to Jeff Van Gundy. I liked that's it. That yeah. was passionate. Yeah. Uh, my uh, balling is really simple. Crimson Gator on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Says, uh, highlights a, an, a headline to an article today. Zach Brown joins the Eagles on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. So they say, just got this news flash. What a great concert. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really milking it in, Hopper, balling and falling. I like, like this, it. Is, this is what it's gotten to now. Nah, I thought it was great. No, I mean, that Zach is pretty, Brown joins that the is Eagles. That is pretty funny. That's funny. That one stayed with me. That was memorable. Hence, hence the Zach Brown band, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. All right. I'm, I'm not mad at that. That was it's, pretty good. That's pretty. I mean, that's low-hanging fruit, but... Sometimes you got to eat. I, I, I hey, respect well, it. What am I supposed to do? Like uh, whoever won the NBA last night, balling. <laughs> I mean, the Red Sox have won three in a row. Oh, good for you. That's not good for your bet, though. No. How was your bet sitting, by the way? We, you know we, what? We should do like a weekly update I with your bet because people want to know, Brent. I want to know. You know, I feel halfway decent about my bet. Well, let's just say the other guy should be a little more nervous, I think, at this stage. I mean, probably not like. Uh-oh, nervous. It's still early in the season. A lot of things can happen. So here's the thing. The bet, if you're just catching up, is the Yankees, Indians, Red Sox, Astros can't go to the World Series. I've got the field. This other gentleman mm-hmm. has those four teams. The Yankees continue to be a couple games out to the Tampa Bay Rays, who look like they're for real. Tampa Bay Rays are for real, it looks like. The Red yes. Sox are six and a half back. The Red Sox are not going to the world. Like, it's a three-team thing. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis just took a dive. Uh, but the Red Sox are not going to the World Series. Yeah. They're not. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just not. So you can eliminate them. Cleveland's interesting, but they have not scored a lot. Kluber just went on the DL, and my man Rocco Baldelli has Minnesota clicking. The Twins are playing well. They have a three-game lead in the Central. Twins are playing well. They're good hitters, but can their pitching staff hold up the whole season? That's I, uh, the big question, man. You ask where we're at right now? Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Indians I'm sorry. are in second place. Okay, I'll, I'll pump the brakes. The one that I think is still going to be hard, I don't think the Yankees are going. I don't think the Indians are going. The Astros are the one. The Astros still concern me because they're really good. The Astros are really good, and they have a half-game lead over the Mariners, but thanks to Seattle's hot start, they're still in it. Mm-hmm. So I actually feel pretty confident still in my bet, okay. which was looked at as the silliest bet of all time, mm-hmm. by the way. A lot but of scrutiny coming from A lot end. of scrutiny. People were judging. Hammered. Now, we're only out of April. I know. So we got a long way to go. Okay. But I don't mind where I sit right now it's in good this good to bet. get the update. I think there are a few more nerves about. I think I've gained a little credibility with this bet after okay. year, after month one. All right of the uh, of the Major League Baseball should we, season. Should we get into falling? Absolutely. All right. Should. Since uh, since Daniel Day Lewis has fallen after Brent was talking baseball too much and he wanted to end it, uh, fallen. I'm going with uh, D'Angelo Russell. Unfortunately, try to sneak. Uh, some of the devil's cabbage, some of uh, some marijuana <laughs> through TSA with the help of a, and this is what I can't understand. It was a fake Arizona iced tea can that unscrewed to have, uh, you know, the the contraband in it. I mean, an Arizona iced tea can is like a gallon worth of iced tea. So, like, how much was he trying to smuggle? Like, are we talking like 
through through the borders of Mexico trying to smuggle that much weed through TSA because I feel like you can just go to another spot in a different city and get some yourself. So it's not that big a deal. It's just marijuana. I get it. But, hey, you can't be doing that through TSA, man. Set for game up, D'Angelo. Uh, quick fall in uh, five-star running back to Marcus Bowman. It looks like he's headed to uh, Clemson, I think it is. And, yes, uh, out of Lakeland. So it doesn't pick the Gators. Mm. And Lakeland's been a pipeline to the Gators. I, I, listen, this isn't like I hammering the Gators for falling. It's just now you think about this week, they had a chance at a five-star running back. They lose Jalen Jones, the quarterback, because of off-the-field stuff. Um, hasn't been a great week in Gator football land. Uh, but that was also a way for me to get some recruiting news in for you. It's not a hard Maybe even a little baseball talking. The never-ending football conversation continues next on ESPN 690. All righty. I asked earlier in the show. Who do you blame more for the departure of Allen Robinson, or who were you more upset with? That's the way I phrased it. Allen Robinson, or heading to Chicago, or the Jaguars organization? And we have some answers. In David Duvall, BCB Supercat, says, Not sure either side was to blame. Can't blame A-Rob for signing with a team with a legitimately deficient QB. Can't blame Jaguars for not wanting to pay an above-average wide receiver with a deficient QB. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, Lance says, definitely the Jags. They made a conscious effort to try to minimize the importance of a reliable outside receiver, all because of a stubborn commitment to wanting a smash-mouth offense that needed everything to go perfectly just to get a first down. All right. Uh, Jaguars, uh, says Josh, now we don't have a dominant 50-50 ball wide receiver. He deserves a second contract way more than Lee. And by the time they signed Lee, the ship uh, had sailed on Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. And I, we told you this at the Super Bowl when we talked to A-Rob, and that we had asked him, he said, hey, did you guys ever get to contract negotiations before you got hurt? And he told us around Labor Day, before the season started, they had conversations about it. And I had heard it was a pretty good deal, like a lucrative deal, but they never came to an agreement. And partially, I think, if I remember correctly, during our A-Rob interview uh, at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, he said it, it was it, – he didn't necessarily say it was a bad deal they offered. He wasn't turned off by it, but he thought it would be better to get to – he was kind of betting on himself for another big year, and then he could get more. That's kind of the way I interpret it, if, if you remember. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he gets hurt. And I think from the Jags' perspective, well, their price went down. From the open market perspective, teams that could spend money and sh- give a, a Allen Robinson a lot of money, well, Chicago was right there in waiting, and uh, he was going to hit the open market and go. So that's kind of how it played out. Mm-hmm. The injury factored in. Like, who knows if Allen Robinson stays healthy and starts performing and, and keeps performing. And he had had a subpar year prior, by the way. Uh, I remember there was a little back and forth between the fans and Allen Robinson. He hadn't played that well. Nobody really played well. But if he had played well in 2017, say halfway through the year, I wouldn't have been stunned if they had reached an agreement on a mega extension with A-Rob by the end of the season even. Now, some players don't even like to discuss it, but there's a possibility they would have said, all right, let's get this thing done if they had already broached the topic around Labor Day. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they would have got closer. And he would have said, all right, I'm good. We're happy. We're winning. Yeah, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, I think there was a part of A-Rob even that didn't feel as when you're hurt, you can't feel a part of that team. So I think if A-Rob had stayed healthy, he would have seen the good things coming in Jacksonville. They'd gone to the AFC championship game. They, they think that continues to go and roll. 
and maybe he wanted to be a part of that uh, uh, quarterback or no quarterback. So it, it would have been interesting if he had stayed healthy to see how things might have changed in the whole A-Rob situation. But we were asking kind of when do fans support players in these situations, and uh, it certainly looks like they were more up. A lot of fans were more upset with the Jags. Mm-hmm. Kevin says Jags, uh, one word answer. Um, by the way, Ocho Fisher says pay Yannick Ngakwe before camp starts. So he's with you mm-hmm. on that. Unless you got somebody. Uh, um, and Noel says uh, he was uh, she was upset with both. <laughs> hey, Rob and the Jags uh, when, when things split up. I, I, I remember right. I still think this t- franchise would be better with Allen Robinson. I do. I don't know where he fits in the Julio Joneses of the world conversations. But I do think they're missing something. He would be a one Alan receiver. Robinson. Yeah, he, he's a one receiver. Yeah. Simple as that. He's, yeah. he's a guy you can throw jump balls to. Tell him to go get him. There you go. And they, they missed that of. last year. Yeah. You know, they led the league in drops last year, and you can blame the quarterback all you want, but whoever, whatever, they missed him last year. Well, even as clear as day, they missed out. And even Robinson. this up and coming season, I mean, do you think Chris Conley's going to be that guy? I, 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 I don't, no, I don't, they don't I have don't, a number one. I mean, Chris Conley's a good third receiver. They don't have a jump receiver. ball guy, you know? Yeah. So uh, they're going to have to find. Uh, I guess Dee's the closest guy to it. And now the thing with Allen Robinson, see, A Rob. The first half of last year, he even told us that Super Bowl didn't feel himself, right? He was still getting back from the ACL. Well, he really came on, had a big playoff game. And uh, I think Allen Robinson's a very, very good receiver in this league. I don't know if he's elite. And $13 million sure says elite receiver in the league. But uh, he might be. Yeah. He yeah. might be. Especially in a Bears offense where it was run-first oriented and they, they gave a lot of those balls to Tariq Cohen. Um, yeah, I thought Allen Robinson really shined towards the end of the season. Yeah, uh, and I like A-Rob. I hope he has, uh, as we told him at Super Bowl, I think I hope he has a great career. Mm-hmm. And it, it, we look back on it, not for the Jags' sake. I'm not rooting against the Jags in the decision-making process, but I think we are going to look back and say that was a mistake letting him walk. And uh, I think that happens a lot uh, for all franchises. All right, it's 5 o'clock-ish. A little after on somewhat of a dreary day in Jacksonville, Florida. But we are heading into the weekend in happy hour horn style. Vita de Louis. Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. That's all I got because I am depleted from arguing with Brent the whole time. And get a horse in there, too. This uh, week has really uh, took a toll on you. Yeah. Can you you see it in my face? I can. I'm withered. Yeah. I mean, you I'm can't. like Benjamin Button right now, like towards the beginning of the movie. It's stamina, man. I mean, this MMA yeah. stuff is tough. But, I mean, three minutes, five rounds. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. you got to go five rounds for three hours here on ESPN 6 9. That I do. Yeah. All right. Are you, are you, are you saying yeah, MMA is not tough? I like that. Yeah, very good. I mean, Brian, we have to get you in the gym, man. You can see how, how tough MMA really is. Oh, man, I've been sore as a son of a gun. And make sure the cameras are there, too, please. Who's going to come uh, record some of that video with your 1980s uh, choppy phone? If you need me to. I will really, I'll probably look really bad in the cage. No, I'm just kidding, man. Hey, I already talked to my coach, so we're going to get you in one of these times and just 
We're going to hit some mitts. No one's going to spar with you. It's going to be all great. Yeah. 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 How, why, why can't I spar with anybody? Okay, then by all means, man, come and spar with some people then. If, I mean, is that bad feeling, for me? Well, have you ever sparred before? No. So you're going to spar with a bunch of professional fighters. But don't I wear like a helmet or something? Do you think the helmet's going to make a difference? It's probably going to hurt regardless. Is it? Spoiler alert, it's so. going to hurt regardless. Can I wear yeah. a face mask? Uh, and a helmet? Do you want to wear one of these? Yeah. Do you, you want to take my high school helmet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but You're watch out for those. <laughs> watch out for those body shots, though, okay? Because those body shots hurt too. That does. Yeah. What if we spar and you can't punch? I can kick. Or kick. <laughs> you can always, that might be worse. I was like, do you do you want to kick to the leg? Because you can only take. It. That's gonna hurt the. I can only take. I so bet you could probably. Kick, you probably break. If you kicked me in my leg, probably break uh, like a fibula or something. I don't. I mean, if you don't know how to check it, maybe. Well, I don't. That's <laughs> yeah, my point, yeah, right? Yeah, probably I would. I mean, should we try it for, for the show? No, nah, man, I like to play <laughs> golf this summer. I don't <laughs> want to be. I like to play golf, the most physical sport there is out known to well, man. Well, I can't play golf if I've got a broken leg. I got you. And I want to play golf this summer. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if Caddyshack taught us anything, you can't play if you got a, a torn Achilles, right? No, you That's can't. That's what they want to do with Judge Small. That's what uh, <laughs> Bill Murray's character wanted to do is want to nip that Achilles a little bit. By the way, Vita de Luis, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Luis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. Try it out this weekend. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit com. Nicely done. Yeah. How about, uh, let's, since we're on the MMA front, we got a big weekend? Uh, yeah, pretty big weekend. We got the most famous fighter right now in, in terms of boxing and Canelo Alvarez, and Brent, you've never heard of him, and I, I, I get that, man. I mean, like I said, boxing's kind of, uh, I don't want to say it's dead, but it's not, it's it's flatlining, okay? What weight, what weight is he? Uh, this will be 160, if I'm not mistaken. So, Canelo Alvarez from uh, Mexico, you know him from his fights with Triple G. Uh, the first fight that he fought Triple G went to, uh, well, it went to a draw, much to the chagrin of a lot of boxing supporters. Second fight, Canelo beat him outright, which was another controversy. He's fighting Dan Jacobs, and Dan Jacobs is actually coming off a fight with uh, Triple G as well, and gave... Triple G all he could handle. So this fight is going to be on Dazzin. I've talked about Dazzin before. It's like the new boxing streaming service. Um, they paid Canelo, I want to say, close to eight figures to be on this network for streaming. Really? So he's making a lot of money, okay? So just keep that in mind now when I, when I break this fight, fight down quick. So Canelo on the shorter side, um, a little bit of a brawler, uh, likes to go to the body shots early. Dan Jacobs was an interesting fighter because the guy has footwork for days. He's crafty. He's slick. Um, he, can get, he can get in, get out. And one would think that Jacobs going to have the advantage, but Alvarez is, there's a reason why he's one of the, the, pop, the most popular fighters in the world, if not the most popular, because he goes for knockouts. He's a brawler. So I see this fight actually going down. And of the experts right now, we have Canelo is the minus 450 favorite, and uh, Jacobs is plus 350 coming back. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think this is going to go to a decision. And I think Jacobs is actually going to beat Canelo, but I think since it's on Dazzin and boxing is kind of corrupt, I think Canelo <laughs> is going to – no, I'm, I'm being serious. I think Canelo is going to get the, the decision, but it's going to be very controversial. That's my prediction. So eight-figure deal. See, you've talked to me about this before, but let mm. me understand it. Wait, so eight figures it's, is like 10 – it's like yeah. – yeah. Oh, yeah, at least that. Ex it might be more so than that. So explain to me this like I'm um, a two-year-old. Uh, so with Dazzin. Well, not only that, but I wanted to see if I got this right. So you got this guy for eight figures Canelo. signed a deal yeah. with Dazzin. 
Yes. Whatever the hell that is. Yeah, right? Then you <laughs> Seriously. Got, you got name the guy who's with HBO, boxer. Yeah. Uh, well, who's so that? HBO's dead now. They, they don't do pay-per-view boxing anymore. Okay, who's with Showtime? Uh, so like Deontay Wilder was Wilder. with Showtime. Okay. Yeah. I so mean, then, not the same weight classes, obviously, but no, yeah, no, but, no, but, no, but yeah, fighting with yeah, Deontay Wilder so, and Showtime. And then what's the the other dude that you want to say? Fury. Tyson Fury is with ESPN. ESPN. Top then, rank boxing, yes. And then who's the other? Anthony Joshua. Who's he with? Uh, he so he's like uh, it's like an independent company, but he he fights primarily in England. Yeah. So it's with whoever they want to but, match him up but with. That's what hap- What's happening here is athletes are basically hinged to a. An ownership group. Yeah. And so, so therefore, you have these. Well, you, you, that's what I understand it right. Yeah. Where because they're all hinged to these certain things, it's hard to get them together to fight. It's not like boxing now owns them. Mm hmm. Right. No, th- th- that's a great point. So with Wilder, if you remember, we talked to Wilder at the Super Bowl weekend with Wilder. So Wilder in his contract, he's usually set up for just a fight per show. So, like, for instance, with Canelo, Canelo is, I mean, tied to Dazzin for, I think, like, five or six fights. I mean, he's stuck there. Wilder can go anywhere he wants. Um, and that was the beauty of it because Wilder's plan was to find out who the best heavyweight in the world was. So that's why Wilder didn't, didn't sign that long-term deal because he was more he, interested in being he, the best fighter in the world. Because he wants to fight the best. Yeah. Yeah. So with Tyson Fury signed the contract to top-ranked boxing and ESPN, well, Fury signed, like, a three- or four-fight deal now, too. So, I mean... In theory, Wilder could go to ESPN and make that fight happen, but it's not going to work because Wilder has been tied to Showtime. Yeah. Showtime's not going to let him go. And that's to where ESPN. things break down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but that's uh, the bad. It, well, yeah. part about boxing right now. And now even more because, like I've, I've talked about before, the, the whole pay-per-view model is dead, okay? Yeah. Pay-per-view is dead. It's all about streaming now. So with the streaming service and Dazzin, and people see what Dazzin's doing, and other companies can get on board, too, and all of a sudden there'll be more streaming services. Yeah, Amazon will do and, it, and, and then exactly. whatever it does. And then they're going to tie to their boxers, and it's just it's going to be more of a mess because it's, it's so saturated now, Brent. It's really fascinating because if you think about the way the boxing world is in that sense, it, it would be like – and this is happening a little bit. This is why I bring it up. It's happening a little bit in golf. Tiger Woods is on this new golf TV, which is an international thing. Okay. And they have paid him to come on. So, like, there was a tournament earlier. I forget which tournament it was uh, in the last couple of months where Tiger didn't talk to the media on, like, Friday, Saturday or maybe it was Saturday, Sunday. But he talked to golf TV mm. because he has a, a, an exclusive thing to he will talk to them after every round. Yeah. And he'll do some other things. Mm-hmm. Well, and Rory McIlroy has one now with somebody else, and it's escaping my mind. But so Rory McIlroy's doing it, doing stuff for this other yep. company, and not to say they won't ever play against each other, but it's kind of like that. It's almost like if yeah. they all signed on to play with these different ones, and then they had a, t- they would never come to the same golf tournament. No, exactly. <laughs> but and, and here's the issue, Brent. The fact is that. There's too much money to make, and they make a lot more money by not fighting the best, and that's why you always get your super fights when they're towards the end of their careers. And golf, by the way, is getting to that. Golf, it's interesting with what they're doing with Tiger and Rory. You'll yep. wonder if, like, say, the NFL, could a Jalen Ramsey just sign on with Facebook? So he only does <laughs> stuff with Facebook. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good call. And also, real quick, too, to Donald Cerrone, Ally Quintus fighting uh, in UFC Ottawa this weekend. Cowboy Cerrone, one of the most popular fighters in UFC, taking on Ally Quinta, who's got a personality and a mouth. Uh, it's going to be a great fight. Check it out, too, as well. Stay in your lane. The thought on baseball when we come back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. 5.20 on a Friday. Hope you are being safe on your way home. See what I tweeted this morning? 
No. Which one? <laughs> Say what? Which time? Uh, <laughs> the, we, we were talking about this rain versus snow driving in yesterday. Yes. It was horrendous on the roads this morning. I'm convinced you got to do 15 miles, <laughs> 15 minutes per mile when it rains in Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Is it? Okay. It's nuts. Uh, and once again... You know, I've I've already been pretty mean to the, the, yeah, the Jacksonville have. audience. Probably mean to him but instead. is that a Florida thing? Uh, it's probably not. It's just maybe I notice it more now. I guess, yeah. But it's noticeable here in Jacksonville. Yeah, I have like always when, said when it's no, raining. I, I actually would rather drive in snow than rain. Mm, depends on much because snow. hydroplaning does concern me to a degree. Yeah, but also skidding out with a lot of snow concerns <laughs> any, I think anybody as well. So but if you, if it's it, a horse apiece. But if you, oh, nice. I was waiting for Coos to hit the button, but. You know, he's doing something else. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, the no doubt. <laughs> that there, thanks. there we go. That wasn't too late or anything. <laughs> uh, on, the, <laughs> on the video feeds, we have some comments. Is Nick Foles going to shock us this year and silence the haters? That's a weird question. Is there haters? Are there haters? And would he shock you if he, he's a Super Bowl MVP? Who, would it be more shocking if Nick Foles is terrible or great? Yeah, I'm going to be a lot more shocked if he actually sucks and has a bad season. What? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot going against him. Like, he's never played in a full NFL season, so yeah. he's got that going for him. But from what we've seen the past couple of years, leading the, the Eagles to a Super Bowl, being Super Bowl MVP, and then leading them in the playoffs this past season, I think one would say that, yeah, he has all the characteristics to be a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I would say, listen, it would have shocked me if he's average or slightly above average or slightly below. Not really. I think I'd be I think I'd be more stunned too if he's a bust, if he's the say the St. Louis version of Foles rather mm-hmm. than the Eagles version. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think the ceiling's high. I love the guy that's 30 years old being able to play the NFL that's that's had experience. I think now you're hitting your stride. So I think there's more signs that point to him having a, a very good season than a very but, bad season. And w- what is that saying about our faith in him, though? Because you look at last season with that receiving court they have right now with, you know, Fournette having a rough year last year. I mean, there's a lot of cogs that have to be in motion for this thing to work. Yeah. You know, so it's, I mean, we're putting a little faith into it as well. But what we haven't seen really around here is a quarterback that can make everybody else better. We haven't seen that in, holy cats. I mean, I guess you'd go back to Brunel, really. Hmm. I mean, even Garrard had some nice years, but I'm not sure he was the guy elevating everyone. I think he also needed some things to work. Hmm. Um, and when Blake played well, I think he needed some things to work. Boy, that's amazing, really, if you think about it. It's scary. <laughs> I mean, it's really amazing if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, that, that job, that's, that, that's, that's kind of the role of that job is to elevate everybody well, around exactly, you. Exactly. And, and that's we never, really have not had that in Jacksonville. That's never crossed my mind because, let's be honest, when Bortles had that one great year, I mean, that was a lot to do with the run game. <laughs> you know, the yeah, run game absolutely. set a lot of stuff up there. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little uh, uh, baseball right now. Okay. I'm going to give you a stat that I thought was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Home runs are a big thing in baseball. Love them. You love them. Yeah. Chicks dig the long Who ball. doesn't love home runs? Well, as long as they're not against your team. Yes. Yeah. So, now let's, I don't, I'm not in love with this style of play of strikeout or home run, 
Everything's got to be a double or a triple. Mm-hmm. I think there's situational baseball that still exists, and I've said it before. I think the reason the Red Sox won the World Series last year, I think the reason Houston's a pretty good team, is not just because they hit the long ball. They play situational baseball pretty well, too. The Yankees have a problem with situational baseball because they strike out all the time. <laughs> they and live and die by the long I, ball. I think that's why the Yankees were ousted last year in the postseason. And I think that's why they won't make it this year. But we'll see. We'll see if it plays out that way. So I think situational baseball still matters is my point. But there was conversation Sunday night baseball, I think it was, or maybe it was just the other night, Tuesday, Wednesday. And Rick Sutcliffe was talking about how the ball feels so different. And it's all about the seams, right? The seams are down, which makes the ball tight, tighter, and it feels smaller. And it, it might be wound tighter, which means the ball's flying. But yeah. the stat I'm going to give you, in that game on ESPN that night, they brought up a stat that they said AAA baseball is using Major League Baseballs this year. So at the AAA level, they're mm-hmm. using Major League Baseballs. So this is going to sound really stupid, I guess. I had no idea that... Yeah, there's a minor league and, baseball and a Major League Baseball. Yeah, I thought all baseballs were the same, to no, tell the truth. Okay. Okay. And so, But they are using the same ball played in the Major Leagues. Okay. Are you ready for this? Digest this. Okay. In the month of April, there were 400 more home runs in AAA Baseball this year than there were last year <laughs> with the Major League Baseball. Well, that's because... Tim Tebow is playing AAA, and that's the only reason why. No, I'm kidding. That's hey, insane. Hey, uh, jury, I rest my case. Yeah. There's I mean, got to be something up with the baseball. I mean, it's as simple as that. So is, a, is your thought that it's wound tighter, so therefore... Well, I mean, the well, seams well, are so down. So, what happen- so, I mean, so you think that's the difference, huh? Is this the seams being down? Well, I mean, you could say it's wound tighter, the seams are down. I mean, listen, we all played wiffle ball, yeah. right? When you, when, you, when, you, when you rip the wiffle ball and... And you had to go find another ball, mm-hmm. and you found one that was a little bit more solid. Yeah. Uh, it was still kind of like a wiffle ball type, but it had a little more weight to it, a little bit more, you know, that ball. Whoa. Sure. You hit it over, you hit it onto the neighbor's roof. Yeah. But I'm saying, is that what's, is that what's, let's be honest, 400 is a ridiculous amount of home runs compared to last year. So it's something. Well, it's a collaboration, I think, of that and also this new. Everybody's well, we're talking launch angle, but there's, yeah. there, there's more metrics involved. There's more an, uh, uh, analytics involved. So people are either smarter, they are guessing pitches, b- pitchers better, mm-hmm. and they also are elevating balls more than they used to in the past. Uh, so there's a little bit of a uh, collaboration of things coming together. But the ball is part of it. It has to be part of it. And I'm not sure I like it. Let's get some thoughts. Who do we have, Coos? Yeah, get some thoughts from a former slugger. Of course, we have Ryan Howard. He's a Philly guy. He's an ESPN guy, too. So take a listen to Ryan Howard. Obviously, there's got to be a, something with the balls. There's got to be a correlation. I mean, for the balls to go from the major leagues to AAA, and then you see a jump from, I believe it was 540 home runs in AAA to over 690 home runs in AAA for the month of April. Right. You know, there's obviously there's got to be something with the baseball is it bad do you think it's bad for the game to have that you know what it's um it can be but at the same time chicks did the long ball (laughs) (laughs) that's what we all come back to yeah but see i'm more of a baseball traditionalist i i don't like it, it that things might be manufactured i don't like that idea of it 
Like, yeah, but Brent, we didn't I like mean, the idea of Tom Brady deflating a football, did we? Okay, but let's look from society's standpoint. You think people cared when Mike, Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa were doing steroids? People loved to cheer for the home runs. People wanted to see that record be broken. So, I mean, from a whole, and I understand you're maybe not with the majority. Yeah, yeah. But I think from the majority, you got to understand that people want to see home runs, Brent. Yeah, they it do. is what it is, man. And by the way, you add that to a lot more smaller parks to begin with. True. What's, what's fascinating to me about the game of baseball is when we were talking in the steroid era mm-hmm. that they were hitting home runs, yeah, because they were juiced up. Well, the pitchers had ERAs of like 4-5-0 or 5-2-0, or it was really hard to get a pitcher that had an ERA of like 1.78 or 2.12. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to find. Well, the fascinating part of the last couple of years is it's not hard to find good pitching. Mm-hmm. A little bit because it's all or nothing stuff, so strikeouts are up. So you, you're getting guys, you can fool guys, you can buy guys, you can, uh, this whole spin rate thing, you know, pitchers are learning more too about, sure. they have analytics at their disposal too. But I, in the 100 mile an hour fastballs and 104 mile an hour fastballs. Yeah, I saw a guy from St. Louis throwing like 105 miles per hour. Absolutely. How is that even possible? So I, it, so that actually makes me wonder the spin rate, the speed, is it because, can that even be helping the pitcher? This tightly yeah. wound ball? Mm-hmm. I mean, can it? It's, or a guy's just throwing harder? I, I think that's well, probably more and, likely. Yeah, and, and I guess here's what bothers me more than anything with with these baseballs supposedly is like, listen, in the steroid area, steroid era, yeah, it's part of baseball. I mean, should they be in the Hall of Fame? That's up for debate. I grew up watching. I grew up loving it. Okay, I, I loved watching home runs. But this bothers me with these with these baseballs being wound too tight or whatever the issue is because. Baseball is a game of history. It's it's America's pastime. It's a game of um of, of stats, you know. And and I remember we talked about the rules changing and how I, I'm not going to like that because if that's the case, then you lose a lot of history because yeah. it is Throw about out the record books. It is, yeah. And I think with in terms of record books and in terms of the history, I think if you have these baseballs and you see the correlations, it's hurting the game. Yeah. I, and and this is coming from a guy who loves watching home runs. Yeah. I mean, Yelich, but I still respect the game. Yelich and whoever else this year hit 14 home runs. Uh, Bellinger, Bellinger, uh, from, uh, hit 14 home runs. The other guys are was it Pujols and Rodriguez, or Rodriguez and somebody else who have hit it in April? Yeah. Is it? There's no surprise that it's come in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know that skews the record books. That's not just knowledge and better players and all this stuff. That skews the record books. Yes. And baseball is skewing the record books, and and so they have. I don't like the idea that they're doing that. The other part is, listen, we got enough sports that you have to be super tall or big and strong to play. Baseball is one of those sports where it mixes big and strong and small and all different skill sets. Takes all and shapes and sizes. Listen, I'm gonna I'm biased. I was a small guy, mm-hmm. but I could play baseball and fit in with a guy your size. Yeah. Because baseball can be played like that. But We're getting away from that. We're getting to a point where if you can't if you can't hit it 420 feet and you don't throw 99 miles an hour, you can't play baseball. But Brent, let's be honest, man. Whether it's football, hockey, or basketball, people love to watch points. People love to see scoring and. Same thing in baseball as well. Whether you, whether you like it or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your lane next on ESPN 690. Hey, by the way, Cinco de Mayo on Sunday. Yes, sir. Any special plans? Uh, work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I, I forget that you work every single day of your life. Like, <laughs> not oh, yeah, tomorrow. Are you, you going to celebrate? Or so a little Vida de Louis tequila. Maybe a good weekend to try it. Cinco de Mayo. Don't use a lime, though. Use an orange. Use an orange. Do an orange. And I may have to celebrate it on uh, the 4th. Here's a question. 
instead of Cinco de Mayo. May the fourth be with you. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get a lot of Star Wars action tomorrow. <laughs> or, or, else, or else it's going to be Quattro, if you're wondering what the what four Thank you for helping. Spanish for well, got you. My uh, kids just finished Spanish one, so I should have oh, yeah? called. Did you take Spanish or no? You know, I did. I actually took French and Spanish. Dang. Hit us some, 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 uh, some French there, Brent. <laughs> no way, dude. <laughs> Nothing. I got, I got told I shouldn't do Spanish anymore when I was By in who? high school. My teacher. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well... I was in Spanish two, was and I was like, I think I really like this. Let's yeah. go for Spanish three. And she was like, nah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, meet the Louis. Good, uh, good time to get it. Cinco de Mayo on Sunday. Be safe, of course. Have some fun. And uh, blessings in a backpack. Having an event at Top Golf on Sunday. Check that out uh, from I think 4 p.m. until 8 p.m. So uh, get all the information and uh, have some fun for a good cause. On uh, Sunday, Cinco de Mayo. Hope you guys are ready for a good weekend. We are about ready for a weekend in 25 minutes or so. Let's do a little stay in your lane. And then I got a couple questions. One question is going to be, so think about it, people, and yell at the top of your lungs in your car or wherever you're listening. Who had the best draft? We haven't been talking about the draft in a few days, but who had the best draft out of all the NFL teams? We're going to end the week with that and end draft week with that. And... uh, so I have that coming up. Plus, would you skip your high school senior prom for your sporting event? And how tough would that decision be? Coming up. All right. Now, stay in your lane. Cruise control. Uh, going out to an NFL player again, much to Brent's chagrin, because obviously he's a hater in terms of me hyping up NFL players, it seems like, lately. Listen, this is not Brent against NFL players. Well... Let's, let's don't sh- frame that this way. Let's go I'm ahead and go, go back to these guys. Let's go ahead. Hey, oh yeah, is Jamal Charles going to come on the show sometime after you badmouth him? Probably not. Yeah. But I really don't and see that's any. That's a former teammate. That's a former teammate. Oh, I know, that's Brent, why one, I one forgot. Of the, one of the best running backs of all time. I'll sit out that segment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's go ahead and bring Kuz on the show. That'll be great. <laughs> all right. So cruise control. Go By the way, to, I like you, Jamal Charles. I'm just kidding. I know. We're, I, I, <laughs> I'm just giving you crap, Brent. All right. So cruise control. Going out to an NFL player by the name of Dre Greenlaw. Brent, have you ever heard the story yet? This is I, cool. I think I just okay. caught the headline. Okay, so he was selected in the fifth round by the San Francisco 49ers this past Saturday. And during the draft, a man by the name of Gary Dales uh, took to Twitter and shared a story about Dre and his daughter during their freshman year at Arkansas. Now, I say that, and people are like, oh, no, what happened here? But keep in mind, this is cruise control. So I'm going to read the following off uh, Gary's timeline. This is what he said when Dre got drafted. Um, all right. My daughter went to a college party when she was a freshman, Dales wrote. She knew very few people at the party and also didn't have a ton of experience drinking. Someone slipped her something into her drink and she wasn't paying attention. And then a guy tr- uh, and then a guy tried to steer my daughter out of the front door and take her home. That's when Dre intervened and said she's not going anywhere. He was a starter on the Razorbacks, Dale said. His place was not secure. He was underage at a kegger. He wasn't drinking, but if there was a fight, he was risking getting thrown off the team. In some ways, he was risking everything to help my daughter. And then, and in, in, in return for risking his, you know, his uh, spot in Arkansas, he ended up uh, keeping my daughter out of trouble. The guy proceeded to back down at the party. No one at the party seemed to know who he was, and my daughter and her friends never saw him again. He risked it for my daughter. The guy, oh, I'm sorry, that was the same thing again. So uh, basically, and then in, in doing so, he said, so please do me a favor. Please root for Dre. He's a good kid with a good heart. 
Um, so props to Dre Greenlaw, especially in times where we see all these headlines of NFL players and college football players at parties um, in the bad narrative. This is uh, an exception where he was actually uh, he was at a party and it was a good narrative. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yep. Uh, and then we're going pump your brakes. You mentioned your brakes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's every good. Time, oh, every time, Goose. Every time. I want to repeat, something. baby. I love it. So pump your brakes actually going out to the Buffalo Bills organization. And listen. I never thought I'd see the day on ESPN 690 that I'd be defending the Bills Mafia, but here I am. So what ended up I happening... I said something nice about the Bills earlier in the show. You did. What the heck is going on here? <laughs> and we're back, Coons. Thank you. So uh, the Buffalo Bills announced that they're going to put some restrictions on their tailgating due to the fact that people are breaking tables, um, causing fires, basically just you know doing a bunch of mischief. So now you actually have to be in a vehicle to attend the tailgating um, lot, and you also have to pay a pretty hefty... Uh, package to and in order to even get to the tailgating lot so it's going to be a lot more money this is obviously ticking a lot of buffalo bills fans off me personally i'm saying pump your brakes because i don't think we would talk about the bills mafia so much on a on a wide scale if it wasn't for the tables being broken if it wasn't for the fires being started i mean that's who they are you know and 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 i encourage that it shows you the the love of the fandom and now i should follow up though so today literally a couple Those hours are ago crazy though man they are crazy i mean but, so I mean, they, again i mean well, you gotta be careful encouraging people jumping off whatever to land on a table and break the, their neck Brent, but these are grown we're not babysitters brent all right these are these are grown adults okay that are doing this so well that might be the problem too <laughs> my worry though is in those packages they're going to provide them with tables and chairs well no so here's the thing so now a couple hours ago the buffalo bills just announced that there's going to be a special tailgating spot <laughs> oh for for uh for people that, that don't have a vehicle that they can go tailgate in and i guarantee it's going to be juiced to the gills of security <laughs> and, and so it's going to be the most lamest thing ever so i don't know i mean i guess uh, a wrestling ring in i guess i'm still young at heart because i'm i'm, I'm favoring the buffalo bills fans here I, I think they should be allowed to do whatever they want to do it's football man it's, it's a crazy sport crazy people play it crazy people should have the right to cheer for it as well um all right there i like go. it yeah. all right uh do you have a best a team that did the best yeah, I'm uh, in the draft. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with the Washington Redskins. I think uh, you look at the knee. Uh, Kuz is shaking his head like you better believe it. So listen, the whole point of the draft is to get a player of need. Do Redskins still have fans? <laughs> he got one right here. I thought they were <laughs> losing them by the truckload. Okay, so, go ahead. So I think that the whole point of the draft is to draft. Uh, a player that you need, and nobody needed a quarterback more than the Washington Redskins. You had Colt McCoy, Alex Smith is still out, no a timetable when he's coming back. So I think you know Dwayne Haskins fell on your lap. That's a big get. They also traded up to get Montez Sweat, who I think is one of the best pass rushers in the draft. Now you pair him with a Ryan Kerrigan, and they got a pretty formidable defense. So I think the Washington Redskins had the best draft. That's a, a good call. You know who I almost gave the best draft to? Jaguars? <laughs> I just can't do it, though. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. The Bills. Really? I think the Bills draft is really good. Okay. I mean, look what they got. They got Ed Oliver. Yeah. They got that's... Cody Ford. And I like the Devin Singletary kid a lot. Mm-hmm. And they got him in the third round. And then you even go down a little bit. Fifth round, they got Voshan Joseph from Florida. Yep. Might be a good player. at a fifth round kind of guy. And then I like their last pick, Tommy Sweeney. I thought if he was on the board still, the Jags may take him. Tight end Tight from end out of Boston College. Boston College. Thank you. Yes. But, so I'm not, but I'm not going to give them the best draft. I think the best draft is the Denver Broncos. Hmm. And it, no offense. No offense. But mm-hmm. they got him at 20. 
Mm-hmm. So they were able to trade back, get him at 20 instead of getting him at 10. So I think they got a maybe a top 10 kind of talent mm-hmm. at 20. Dalton Risner, who I think is a, a good offensive lineman, they picked up a Drew Locke in the third round. This is a guy yeah. that some people said could have gone in the first round. You know, if there was a run on quarterbacks, Drew Locke might have been in that mix. And, you know, I, I, I'm a little shaded by the uh, senior bowl. We saw him there. I, he, I was impressed, Jones, with, I was yeah, impressed was with Drew Locke, though, too. Yeah, you were. I was really especially impressed. the way he handled himself in interviews. Yeah. He said he was a really mature it, guy. So I, I like that. And forget about the rest of the draft. I just think their first three picks. <laughs> yeah. I think the Denver Broncos did a really nice job in their first three picks. All right. I can't believe you can pick the Giants with uh, Daniel Jones, man. That's your boy. Nah, I know it. No. Imagine that. I, th- I think we would, everybody would have turned off the radio if I had said the Giants was the best draft. That would have been Fair great. That, that might have been, we might have got that one all the way to New York. Well, but I can't believe they turned off the radio when you said Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in the Senior Bowl, but I think somebody knew something that we didn't. Brent called it. And I picked the Jags pick, Josh Allen. That you did, I too. I have not got enough credit for that yet. Flexing all Don't day. Don't worry, I'll flex it all summer long. <laughs> when we come back, would you skip your senior prom to play in whatever sport you played in. Your senior prom. You get one of them, people. Would you do it? And we got a little horse racing game next on ESPN 6 night. All right, uh, let's get some more responses in here on a, a myriad of questions we asked throughout the show here on a Friday. Uh, First Coast Bubbler, of course, says the Packers had the best draft. Come on now. Uh, Travis says, I don't mind the ball being juiced as much as I mind a player being juiced. At least with the ball, it's equal for everyone. I think that's a good point. Uh, Eric, on the A-Rob versus Jaguars thing, who are you more upset at? Eric says a little of both, I think. Mad that A-Rob didn't want to be here, it seems, and mad that the Jags didn't do more to keep him. But looking back, it may have been a good move. Oh, that's interesting. I think that's debatable. Uh, Blake says the Rams. Uh, everybody's going with their favorite team, you homers. Mm-hmm. I know Blake likes the Rams. Because Blake works down in TV, and I know he does. He's a producer for us. Homered up. Uh, A.B. Kelly, by the way, says, don't care if everyone is hitting the same baseball. Hendricks threw an 81-pitch shutout. Hitters need all the help they can get. Yeah, and that's a fair point. I mean, listen, even the good hitters hit, even if you're a great hitter, you hit 340. That's mm-hmm. still failing six and a half times out of ten. So, uh, f- fair enough. Uh, maybe the ball doesn't matter as much. It's the style of play that the ball has created. That, that bothers someone like me a little bit more. And again, I have no problem with doubles and triples and home runs and slugging percentage. But when you sacrifice, that's all sacrificed for situational baseball and moving runners too and in key situations. And it costs you again. I, I will maintain that the Yankees lost last year in the postseason because all they cared about was doubles, triples, home runs, and then strikeouts. Mm-hmm. The teams that are good, Houston, the Red Sox, they were able to situationally hit, along with other things. But they were able to do the little things, steal a base here or there, that still matter in baseball if you want to win and win big. And uh, I think that gap is closing, by the way. (laughs) The teams that can win big now might just be able to hit home runs and strike out. Uh, That that gap is closer than it's ever been before. But uh, it's also changed the game quite a bit. So. Uh, thanks for all the feedback on that. Uh, some good discussions uh, heading into the weekend. I think we might even have uh, more of them. Uh, nope, I answered them all. Very good. <laughs> all right. So before we get into our game, horse racing game, Kuz has something. What's up, Kuz? You're no. smiling over there. <laughs> yeah, no, because uh, you were talking about um, skipping prom or whatever. Oh, to, yeah, yeah. 
I is had, this going to be clean here? Yeah, this is clean. Mm-hmm. I didn't skip my prom, but the girl I was dating at the time, I had to skip her junior prom to go to an ultimate frisbee tournament. <laughs> Dude, that doesn't count for sports. Here's what I'm saying. What was the point of you sharing that? Are you trying to put yourself in a, in a cool way? Because I'll tell you what right now, homeboy. We great. Ultimate we frisbee is great. not a cool hey, thing. We almost won that thing. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you, man. You, that's a long day. You play like four or five games that you're tired. Hey, hey. Are you done? All Are right. you done with the ultimate frisbee talk? Because hey, I'm I'm all for getting sports on the show, Coos. You know I go off to, off the wall all the time ultimate with topics. Frisbee's a sport, man. Coos, gonna need you to put the ultimate frisbee right where the Quidditch is, and just in the corner, oh, never talking come on, about it's it again. Not a Quidditch oh, level. it's pretty close, man. Uh, okay. When are we gonna play cribbage and Quidditch? Or whatever you just say. <laughs> At the same time, dude, I want to play cribbage all the time. Do you, do you understand the rules? I gotta be refreshed. Okay, I can refresh you. Let's uh, let's do it next week sometime during our uh, meeting that we have. Yeah, we do. Yeah, can't uh, wait for that. I'm almost spelled wrong on Twitter. I do that all the time. I swear I know how to spell. In fact, one of my strengths. But sometimes I don't spell right on Twitter. Uh, all right. Would you? So we asked. Would yeah. you skip your senior prom? Yeah. I mean, in the, in, in so the you grand don't think scheme, this is outrageous? You no. Know, in the grand scheme of things, looking back on my life now, the prom doesn't really stick out to me. I mean, I got yelled at a lot by the chaperone for, for dancing too close to my date, so I had that going for me. Yeah, sure, we went to go party after. Mom, cover your ears. We had a good party after, but we partied all the time in high school. So it's I not was going like, to say, but does, does Austin even count in this? He went to a high school that had 50 people in his senior class. Oh, we, wow. still, we still had some good times. I mean, the, but, like, my graduating class was 1,500. <laughs> Yeah, so senior prom was a huge that's deal. More than yeah, my time. It was. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying, Brent. It's not like w- w- in your time when the prom was like meant something. You know, you had to. There's tradition. You had to but ask like, the girl's dad to take her to the prom and everything. Did I just like, say? Did you just say my time? Yeah, your, your time. <laughs> well, like, you are old, Brent. Even when I went, like we had to like sign like the old we, guy we, now in the show. We stayed at a friend's house and like the parents made us sign this whole thing that we wouldn't drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to sign. <laughs> well, I didn't sign anything, but like you know, don't drink yeah. or anything. Yeah, sounds we, good. We won't do anything. We're just gonna watch movies the whole night. Her dad was a cop, and he actually made a sign. Like, it was a document, and Jeez. we were terrified. So I wouldn't have mind skip, skipping it. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, it was unbelievably a memorable thing that I couldn't miss, but I do think uh, it's a big deal to a lot of kids and in high school. I mean, going yeah. to the senior prom. So was Avengers, though. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things <laughs> out there, dude. I'm just, I this don't know. coming from a guy, by the way, that I, now, graduations are different. But yeah. I, I skipped my senior. I skipped my college graduation. Yeah, not be, not because of anything other than baseball. I mean, we were in Quincy, Illinois, mm-hmm. on our way to the World Series to skip it. Uh, but but I mean, college graduation big deal for a lot of people for sure, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when I graduated like two and a half years ago, three years ago now, I mean, I drove from Jacksonville to Murray just to walk down the. Did you? Yeah. I walked the aisle, man, because it meant something to me. Because yeah. I, I made a promise to my mom I'd graduate, so she was there too. Special That's moment. Awesome. Yeah, prom, not so much. A lot of pictures. You're wearing a suit you don't want to wear. Nah. Do you think I would have been better at served asking the graduation question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> at least well, not graduating yeah. high school. Well, well, at least to me and Coos, yeah. Not graduating high school though. You didn't care if you were at your graduation in high school. I don't even remember my high school graduation. Well, your, your graduation in high school lasted party. six minutes and had 50 people. <laughs> there was that, too. No, there was a long speaker, and we partied the night before, so we were all kind of out of How it. How much did you party in high school? Uh, I don't know. A good amount. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, listen, I get it. Legends grow, but 
I'm not, I'm not going to answer but that question. you are from small town Wisconsin, so. <laughs> what else were we going to do, Brent? By the way, you have to be really careful, too. Your mom listens to the program. I know she does. Yeah, but my mom gets it. Yeah. She, she understands. <laughs> my mom completely understands. Like, All right. Yeah. What you got for a game for us here, Coos? We got a little horse racing, yep. a little derby. What's happening? Yep, I got some horses and some album names. Oh, boy. And Since you we're have to... very music-centric on this week uh, week's episodes. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, mistake. we'll start with Brent. You have to guess if it's an album name. Or if it's a horse. All right. The first one, Lemonade. I feel like I should have the Jeopardy music going. Oh, <laughs> lemonade, lemonade. Come on, Brent. <laughs> I'm going to say a, an album. Well, that was, yeah. Yep, I that is Beyonce. I was kind of moving toward album. Yeah. yeah. All Beyonce. right. Next By one. the way, I would be shocked if it has been a horse name. That's, <laughs> That's true. I didn't check to see if these were. <laughs> of course Both. you did. Yeah. Screwed Both. up the game from the get-go. All right. The next one for you, Brent. Reputation. That one, I um, that actually could be an album name too, but I'm gonna go with horse here. That is <laughs> Taylor Swift. You girl. <laughs> ah, shoot. All right, uh, swizzle. Another one, a gun runner. That's definitely a horse. That is a horse. Yes. So two uh, for three. Two for three. It could have been like a Hank Williams Jr. album, but okay. <laughs> two for three, and I lost Swift. <laughs> Gosh, I am so not cool. Millennium. Is this still me? Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is your last one. Then we'll oh, go on. This is pop music. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know this one. Millennium. Millennium. Again, I think it could fit both, but I, I'm going to go with album name. Yeah, that's the Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. hey, that's why I didn't know I'm it. A big fan of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> T Swizzle, whatever. Kicker of the curve. Yeah. All right, Austin. Now we're going with you, Lionheart. And this is country music, right? Well, it could be anything. Country music albums, okay. Country music or a horse. Lionheart. I'm going to say it's an album and it's going to be a George Strait album. Nope. Lionheart placed second in 2004 in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, for one. one. (laughs) I love these games where Austin laughs at me and then I win them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Rope in the Wind. Come uh, on. What do you got? That's got to be an album title. It's Garth Brooks, Garth baby. Brooks. Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> I knew There's no way someone's going to name their I horse that. Shame right. on them if they did. War Story. That's definitely a horse. That was a horse from a couple years ago. 2015. Yep. Correct. Horse I remember from 2015. that one. And uh, I guess this will be your last one. I'm already won it, yeah. Old number one. Old number one. I got to go album. George Strait again, because <laughs> it's no, the only country guy. It Damn is it. an album. It okay, is an album. God. Yes, but it, it is Guy Clark I came didn't. out in 1975. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Take your word for it. Wow. So what did you get? Three or four? Yeah, I'm three or four. I'm, I, I win. That's what I do on these games. Yeah, we tied actually. Think, did we really tie? Yeah. So here's oh. the tiebreaker. We no, have to. Pick. He, he got Beyonce and he got Taylor Swift wrong. I won. Oh no, you got Beyonce right. I got Beyonce, he got Beyonce right. right. Okay, sorry. Tiebreaker. Let's do What's it. What's Beyonce's nickname again? Queen B. Queen B. Oh yeah, I know all about Queen B. Uh, uh, all right, <laughs> so here's the go. You got to pick a pick a horse. Really, just pick a number if you want, because that's the way this thing works. Yeah. The loser, though. The loser, I think we're going to put in a one of those golf picker uppers at the golf club at Southampton, <laughs> and the other two guys get to drill golf balls oh. at the, the person picking up golf balls. So here's something you don't know about me, real quick. I used to do that in high school. You worked that on that. That was my job. Yeah. Probably with a beer in your hand. The way things are shaking out in Iowa, no Wisconsin. Comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so any horse we want then? Yeah. I mean, I'll make it interesting. I'm take War of Will. Uh, no horse has won from the one spot since 1986. I think War of Will gets it done. 
What you got? What number? I'm going with win, win, win. Uh, uh, number 14. Win, win, win. Huh. Make it interesting, Brent. I'm going to go with... Uh, Omaha Beach. Tax, too. Kids were born on tax day. Okay. 20 to 1 odds. All right. Have All fun right. watching the Derby. Have a great weekend. Cinco de Mayo. And be careful, but have a little toast with Vita de Louis. For Austin Lane, Justin Kuzer, and I'm Brent Martineau. We'll talk to you again on Monday, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.